What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Game Over Greggy Show. I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the producer slash seducer, Nick Scarpino. Hello, Greg. Hey, how are you? Top of the afternoon. Top to of you. the afternoon to you. you. Over there, the pure one, Tim Geddes. Let Tim host. And rounding out our fearsome foursome for the day, the one and only Max Landis. Welcome, Max. I knew if, if four guys paid for me to come to San Francisco, I was going to end up having a foursome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you see that Kevin got so excited when he heard your name that he just dropped his phone. You, uh, yeah. He got that, that giant flat screen he, of his that he has at his Kevin had been hanging out forever. He didn't realize it was Max Landis. He just thought it was Max, somebody or other. And then he was like, <laughs> wait. He was the like, guy wait who does minute. American Someone Alien came on Chronicle. You also, by the way, by the way, you also legit uh, don't do that. Don't. Yeah, thank you. Don't you do the thing where you tap me on the back. To tell me I'm too far away from the mic. Yeah. Because every podcast I'm on, people use any weird affectation to say, like, everyone there secretly hates each other. Like, mm. uh, we just I, tell it to each other's face. Yeah. yeah. I will oh, talk thank shit. God. I when I was on Red Letter Media, Mike patted me on the back. Yeah. Because he was laughing. And they were like, look at Mike wants to hit Max. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. No. But, no. So, yeah, what's up, guys? I'm yeah, so excited to be here. It's so nice to finally meet all of you guys. For some people who don't know who you are, what's the Mo easiest most way? People. No. No. I refuse to. The audience is very vocal about wanting point. you on the like show. It's like you and Jeff. I am, I am a pretend famous person. I think I'm, I think I'm famous to a very specific group of people, mm. and I'm a nobody to everyone else. Sure. Uh, but we know that well. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of our lives. It's, and do you get the thing where you like you don't get recognized for weeks and weeks and weeks, mm -hmm. and then you get recognized, and it's like, what the fuck? Like when well, someone recognizes that, it's that, and then everyone thinks I'm him, and everyone thinks he's that's me. That's true. That's just the story yeah. of our life. I'm still it's at like, that Nick, point. Like, no, that's a facial hair decision that you guys have made. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, it's true. But the fact of the matter is, when you once you've grown the beard, it's very very difficult to get rid of. The beard. Yeah, I got rid of it, and everyone freaked the oh, fuck yeah, out because you look like a baby. Yeah, they're like, no, get the fuck out. <laughs> Plus, of here. like, Who's look at look guy? at how much like when I'm bored and I don't want to check my phone, but I don't want people to think that I'm bored. I can just stroke the beard, and they think I'm thinking. I'm very pensive. Yeah, right now. you, you can turn a negative to a positive. I guess that's yeah. true. Because well, I'm, I'm looking at you, you're not getting the full effect. Sure, I'm here. I'm talking to you, and I'm saying, "Man, have, did you read God, this he looks thing? So did you read this comic book? That's yeah, happening." That's and, oh my look God. God. I don't hear any oh, of what you're saying. So Let me tell you about the most recent trophies. My brain's like in trees right now. That's what I'm thinking of. The I'm in a forest. So you do the opposite of Colin. When Colin sits there and listens, he does this. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's like, he hates everything. Turns something. off. <laughs> yeah, I know. Colin's our fourth member who's not here today. I know he would have been impressed. The easiest way to know me is from. That was great. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm. I'm so used to people pulling me back on topic. Oh no! Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> this, one, this guy's here. I'm very excited. You, the ra the rails are like this six is your perfect show. Don't yeah. worry, <laughs> you're gonna be fine. I so, wouldn't be surprised if we don't even get to the topic. <laughs> the, the easiest way people know me is probably from my YouTube presence: is Death and Return of Superman. Mm -hmm. right. Wrestling isn't Fantastic. wrestling. Fantastic. Uh, the slap. Some people who don't even know I was involved in that. Um, and that's pretty much it. I also wrote a movie called Chronicle that did really well and everybody loved it. I fucking I did, loved that movie. I did a movie called American Ultra that did really bad and some people loved it. Mm. I, I, also, I watched it. It was good. I watched it yesterday. It's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, no. I American Ultra's problem. You We're know, a one of the topics is, is talking about your movie. So, don't, don't you know, I think, I, think it's, I think it's not for everyone. But And then I also did a movie uh, called Victor Frankenstein that uh, did really bad and everybody hated it. And then I also, uh, my, my next movie comes out on Friday, me, him, her. And if you're watching this on Patreon, that means it's out right now. And if you're watching this on YouTube, it means it's out. Go get it. Limited get it theater on, run, right? And then on Limited on demand, theater on and it's on on demand. It's really stupid, the I future. promise. The future. Uh, and then I also wrote American Alien. I'm in the right. process of American no Alien. Deal. Superman American Alien. You know I've been talking about it nonstop and tweeting about it. It will get its topic. Mm -hmm. It was going to be the first topic, but then something happened. Oh my God, what happened, Greg? <laughs> Before that. 
Mm-hmm. If you didn't know, you're watching the game over, Greggy. Oh, damn it. I know, right? The idea is simple. Each and every week, four, sometimes five best friends gather on this table, each bringing a random topic of discussion for your amusement. You for if you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kindoffunny, where you can give us a few bucks and get everything early, along with exclusive ap- episodes and access. Fuck. I'm, I'm starting, your fault. I'm starting, yeah. I'm starting to add in the access. I, I got some, sexy We're going to get you some sleep. I got you're starting to sound voice. a little bit like Harvey Firestein. But like in a great way. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was going to say I think in a good That just adds to the brand, dude. Does it? Just adds to the if brand. I'm, I'm definitive. I have a definitive voice then. Mm. I was going to say B. Arthur, but it's I like, yeah, I was going to know your voice enough, right? <laughs> if you got no Less bucks brutal. to toss, head over to YouTube.com slash kind of funny. We'll break it out topic by topic, day by day, until the entire show post is one big video and MP3. Full of bad bitches. You so, got a party girl voice. I do have party girl voice. I was partying last night with the one and only Andrew Goldfarb. You're one of the woo girls, aren't you, Greg? I don't know what a woo girl is. Woo! Those girls that walk yeah. into the bar woo! like, woo! Well, I think you've known me long enough that, yes, I am a woo girl. <laughs> yeah, I am 1,000% a, yes, a woo girl. Yeah. I think everyone in the world knows Dude, that. Dude, imagine point. a woo girl that sounded like Harvey Firestein. That would be, I've heard them. I think I dated a couple back in the day before I met my lovely wife. We, we fly Max up here. We're going to talk about Superman, his career, movies. You didn't have to do that, by the way. I would have flown myself up here. But no, we, we want to take care of you. We want to take care it of you. It was on the flight. On the flight, the Virgin America has that intro video. Be very careful with what you say next, yes. They really this love is that a video. Very I hate it. It's thing. my favorite thing good. ever. Okay, good. You're welcome. <laughs> Fuck you, Nick Scarpino. You don't know how to save it's yourself. Am I wrong that it's longer now because they had to re-edit it? No, it is not longer. They got rid of a part. They got they had shorter. To, they subbed something else in because they now did. they can't tell you the Virgin America knows all the places you want to be. Fly away with me. Fly away with me. And the outro there, that's when I legitimately tear up. Dude, it's so epic. They all walk up and like, thank you for flying. such a good when they're all when we're all walking up at the end and the music gets so emotional yeah. and they're all just talking right to you, but you know it's gonna come back with that chorus. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, I remember the first time I saw that, I was just sitting like this. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, was yeah. so excited. And so I sing along to the whole thing. Now under your seat, there's, there's a, a life vest. <laughs> in right. first class, it's, it's between, between the, the central, central armrest. Yeah, I was doing I told you this was a perfect show. Like a child, for instance. Anyway, so I was listening to, I was singing it, but as I was singing it, and I always sing it like quietly under my breath. As I was singing it, I realized there is a man, not a guy, a man. A four, late 40s-year-old man. Two seats ahead of me. Virgin America. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, so as it was building, I, I was like, I was like, you're part of the 0.1%. And he like turned around. And he was like, yeah. And the stewardess looked at us both and just went like this. <laughs> it was the most knowing look. Oh my god! We all know. I can't wait hell. to sing and when the plane's I, going down. That's yeah. how I when met the plane's going down. I'm like, fuck, you're saving under everyone. Your, right? It's under. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there we go. And there that's go. the story of how I met my real father. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I knew. Who needs, who needs a DNA test when you have the Virgin America? He also had video. rainbow colored hair. It was the strangest thing. No, oh, my parents. My parents are so horrified by my hair. Are they? They're They've so got to be used to it by now. Hell you no. seem like you've been a crazy ass kid your whole life. Yeah, and my parents have a very strange relationship because of that. They're, uh, you know, my dad's eccentric and he acts like me and my mom's. What's he do? My, my dad's a uh, director. Oh. He, uh, he directed movies in the eighties oh. and then he directed movies in the nineties oh. and then now he, that, I, I don't know what he does. He walks the dog living on the blues brothers money. <laughs> oh Lord. I wish, but no, uh, no, it, it's, it's interesting because they, their conception of me as the weird member of the family. Sure. I, I, you guys, every member of my family, my sister, my mom, my dad thinks I'm like the weird one. 
Yet they are unaware that we are all the same mm. level of weird. Mm -hmm. And and they also think the other one's the weird one. So they're always like, Max, I know you're the weird one. And then mom is like the pretty weird one. But as the normal one, I have to, they all try to like be this objective point of view. And it's always like fucking rainbows and sunshine and fucking tornadoes coming out of their face. Like none of, none of the shit they say is normal. Mm -hmm. And so when we arrive somewhere, it's like, here's the whole weird family, except for everyone within that unit is going, no, right, that guy. It's bizarre. He really, he really defines weird. We're just on the fringe of weird. Yeah, yeah. You're deep in it. I'm deep in yeah. it. Yeah, I'm. I, I'm a strange person. But I feel like having strange. known you for all of roughly an hour, no, though. Whole thing in. There you've you known me. You've known me now for two hours. Two hours. I feel like that's. It, it's. It's like knowing you gets a little insight into your writing, right? It's like when you go and watch. Like I watched American Ultra um, because you were coming up recently, and I'm like this. I do not know what to expect from this human being that is coming <laughs> yeah. up. This movie is crazy and fun and ridiculous and like all fucking hypo colored. And now knowing you, I see where it comes from. Well, that's what I'm saying is like that craziness that you've been able to channel that into your art, which is great. I don't want to sound pretentious, but it, it depends. You know, a lot of my, a lot of my shit is not crazy. Chronicle's not crazy. Yeah, no, it's not crazy uh, at all. I would have uh, like but, knowing you in that but, movie, I would have never put the two together. Well, no, I, 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 I'm known. Topic three is now topic one. This I'm is so, making I'm movies sorry. with Max Landis. I, it's no. Nick's fault. It's not you at all. Nah, it's it's Nick's fault. That, well, no, a lot of a lot of my work, me him her is like the movie that's most silly and like me and suffers for it. But you know, American Ultra, that movie is not exactly like my script. I like that movie, mm -hmm. but my script is much more a sweet, sad indie movie and then about 15 pages into it this movie about this guy who lives in this town mm -hmm. and his girlfriend supports him about 15 pages into it a government strike force shows up trying to kill him mm -hmm. after he's activated and the movie is much more sort of edgy than my script was my script really? Really? my script is a love story is a very funny uh, in my opinion of it you know very funny sweet sad story about two people and like all of my favorite scenes except for two of them made it into the movie, like the car and the tree scene on the hood. Oh yeah. That's what that movie was mm, in the script. That was really good. And, that was a great and scene. that that's the tone of the whole movie yeah. in the script. But in, in the movie, it got a little bit sort of like edgy, like, eh, like that. And like, I thought a lot of it worked really well, but one of the things that like was interesting is they made Topher Grace's character. And, uh, I forget the actress who played Connie, Connie Britton. Yeah. Their characters in the, in the script are as funny and weird as the characters in the town. Mm -hmm. So they sort of like really toned them down and turned their scenes sort of less funny and and made it shot it like it was sort of like Born Identity mm -hmm. when it's supposed to be like a Terry Gilliam movie about yeah. the government. It's supposed to be a complete train wreck. I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting for me to watch that movie because you can tell they didn't know how to advertise it. So did that? They advertised it as a stoner comedy. Did they bring in a different writer for that too? No, or was of course it, not. They just took your script. No, no, no. And you. Did what they oh, do. oh my God. This is what I always say, and I feel like I I'm so sick of repeating myself with it. They don't need. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Being a showrunner fucking sucks dick. Uh, <laughs> they don't need to do that. You can never judge a script by its movie. It, it's like judging a human by their skeleton, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it, or, or, or a human by their DNA. It's like it's like going back in time because someone murdered their wife and locking up a child. You know, it, you cannot judge what it becomes because everyone but the screenwriter can change the screenplay. Mm. The actors can say the lines different or wrong or improvise lines. The directors can invent new scenes on set and be like, let's just get this and then put it in. That's all within the purview. The editors can change the cut of something. A great line in a movie 
can be ruined. And I said this, I've said this a million times by the music behind it. A mm. great line of dialogue can sound like a dumb fucking line of dialogue. Luke, I am your father. Wonderful moment in that film. He says, no, I am your father. There's a big musical swell. Imagine that exact scene with different music. Imagine that exact scene cut differently. Imagine if he had said that line differently. No, I am your father. It's everything in order to be good has to come together perfectly. Mm. And what you have on the page, it literally just says, no, I am your father. Right. You know, it's like in, in Hamlet, it just says to be or not to be in fucking Wolf of Wall Street. All those great monologues just look dead on a page. Bringing something to life is the is the purview of, you know, there's it's. Oh, sorry. You I keep scoot the chair. Just get, as you can. get that big black thing right, right in your mouth. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> was, was, my word's not his. Yeah, I, I'm his. stealing his joke. Yeah. But um, no. so I, on on the on the writing front, then how much would you say of your script actually like translated your to, vision in, in translated American or? Ultra? Yeah, eighty five. Okay. Eighty five percent. In Chronicle, a hundred percent. It's the only time that's ever going to happen. Uh, me, him, her. The one I directed, by the way, seventy five. Really. Mm. Victor Frankenstein. You know, no comment. Yeah, the script's available to read online. The movie is different than the script in a lot of interesting ways. Um, so how how much does that I, I like you're talking about, you know, they didn't market it well. This, that, that. How much does it hurt? Does it suck? Does it hurt? Do you have feelings about it when you watch Victor Frankenstein? It's, it's very different. You watch American well, I don't, Ultra. I don't hate these movies. Uh, and I don't want to act like I'm complaining about the level of success I've had. But, you know, the truth is, yes, it, it's it's having, you know, my job at the script level is to change scripts. The main thing I do is take notes and change scripts. And that's why I keep getting work is because I'm good and fast at that part of the job. Mm -hmm. And on the page, my work is generally, I think, really strong. And so when people wonder about, you know, like, he said he didn't like Star Wars on Twitter, his career is over. No, it isn't. Not as long as I still, you know, I'm probably not writing a Star Wars movie anytime soon, but as long as I still am good at doing the job part of my job, mm -hmm. uh, I'm okay. And so, yeah, of course it's horrible. It's the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> I mean, like, it, 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 when you see an actor do your dialogue and it's not the way you had it in your head. Yeah. It burns. And to know you can't change it mm. and to know you can't protect it and to know that everyone will associate that bad moment, whether it's even an editing or an effects choice with you. F fuck. This is why screenwriters aren't generally out in front of cameras. Mm, mm. You know, the only reason I'm in front of cameras is my dumb YouTube shit. Mm. And like, it, because we aren't famous because it's hard for us to, it's hard to, like, if you look at screenwriters' resumes, a lot of them have worked on screenwriters who work a lot, bad movies. And no one even notices because they're not dumb and they don't dye their hair rainbow and yell about shit on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was really long. No, that's but when, when that's you the when you write the whole stuff. show is talking. You're doing yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, the flip side of it, though. Sorry, what? No, keep going. Oh, the flip side of it, though, is that, like the scene in American Ultra, the car tree mm -hmm. scene. Or the end, the run through the grocery market where he gets everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, or the scene in Chronicle, every scene in Chronicle. Or even the scene in Victor Frankenstein when the monkey comes to life on the table. Or some of the scenes in Me, Him, Her. Some of the scenes in Mr. Right. When it looks exactly how you had it in your head, that's better than sex. That's better than winning mm -hmm. the lottery. It's, it's the most meaningful emotional experience I've had was the first time I watched Chronicle. And it was like Josh had just taken my script and made it a movie and I, I 
you know, I think back to that a lot and I bring it up a lot because it's, you can read the script for Chronicle. It's like, you know, and so that, that was my question. So when you, when you write screen screenplays and stuff, are you writing them as directions for people to take and do stuff? Or are you I, writing them as literature? Oh, never as literature and never as directions either. They're blueprints. They're, they can be fun, but you know, there's nothing more disgusting than the screenwriter who likes to sound smart. I fucking hate it. I use, I fucking, I saw the word Epicurean used casually in a script and like, uh, in dialogue or in the action? <laughs> In the action, uh. anyone you can do you can do fun stuff in action, right? Yeah. But like, I recently read a script from a good writer, and he described a clumsy struggle as a mordantly comic scrum. Yeah. What? Yeah. What is an actor? What is the director supposed to say to the actor? Okay, now scrum, but mordantly, but keep a comic. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I'd be like, can you define all three of those words for me? But, I hate. No, I went back. Uh, I read a lot of scripts. I went back and read what I think was one of the first or second drafts of drafts of lethal weapon um you never know because i find well shane writes like i i take a lot of cues from shane dude that script is just it's actually fun to read because he's breaking the fourth wall and just talking to the he talks to the reader i do the the same thing you should read ultra i will i'd love to that'd be great it's it's i i adopted that from him i talk i talk to the viewer way of like connecting with the person that's reading your work oh yeah well you gotta you gotta create it's also because if you if you get some sort of first-time reader and then that's gonna be like oh this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and that's the thing. There is no real way to do it. Yeah. Like, like all the ideas about formatting are just structural. Yeah. Once you have the page as your real estate, you can build whatever house you want there. Mm. And as long as it doesn't leak and as long as it's good to walk through, you can do incredible things on the page. I wrote a script, one of the first scripts I got optioned that was haunted. It'll never be made into a movie. And it only got optioned because it was a cool idea, which is the script itself was haunted. The script is about a virus a sort of a, a a reality virus or a demon or a ghost that inhabits objects and stories and you as you're reading the script begin to realize that this script is one of the possessed things it looked it read like house of leaves there were pages that were blank and i optioned it but you want to know why <laughs> i optioned it because the people didn't have any idea what they were buying and then they were like okay uh can you make it normal and so i made it normal and the fucking story's stupid and they were like oh it's lame now can you make it normal <laughs> yeah it was just like it was just a magic trick i was doing and that was that was in the early days but yeah i the, the way shane writes uh the way uh quentin tarantino writes notice i say shane my friend i don't say quentin my friend i don't know quentin tarantino but i wish i did do you watch he the watches show? the show. Yeah, Please big, support big us on Patreon. Religiously. Hey, yeah. Quentin, remember at Cine Family when you said, hold this to me, and you handed me a beer, and then you walked away? Well, I held your beer for 15 minutes and then I drank it and I'm so sorry. So please don't hold it against me because <laughs> you owe Quentin Derek. I just want to be your friend and it would be so exciting. No, uh, yeah, it's the, the nature of words on the page is incredibly shifty and incredibly architectural. And you have to assume nine times out of 10 that what you're writing is open to change. So like my recent scripts like bright or deeper, deeper is a script I built to be watertight. Uh, and it's because I'm not sick of seeing my work change. Your work will always change. That's part of your job. But I wanted to write something structurally where changing it would break it. Right. And so, so are you scared though that people won't give a shit and they're just like, well, we're going to do what we got to do. Well, it'll be broken. I, I'm doing it with David Goyer and thank God he gives a shit. Okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, just like one of these. 
like that when it first went out. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. People hate how much I talk. This, no, you're this topic the is about making movies with <laughs> you. Yeah, but do so you yeah, see so how fine. like do you see how like cowed I am by how mean the internet is to me? I'm like we have pathetic. a great group. We have a great group. You're, I'm sorry. You're gonna I get, trust that you're. Everyone's going to tweet at you and tell you how much they love you and how happy they are. No, with now they're not. No, no, they will. They will. No, 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 no. Because I think honestly, like, and I always enjoy when we get to actually interview people about their craft. That's not video game. We do a lot of it. We talk to a lot of devs, and from from my perspective, it's cool to see how they create their art. But like. Taking a step back and getting to ask you how you got to Chronicle, even oh, is, Chronicle is, is was huge for me. Josh uh, Trank, I knew him in high school, mm-hmm. and we didn't like each other. In you high guys, school. Did you guys all, all grew up in LA. I got kicked out of a high school uh, that Josh graduated from. Okay, and uh, then we ran back into each other at a mutual ex girlfriend's house, and Josh pitched me. Uh, Chronicle. Those are my favorite types of ex girlfriends. Uh, she's wonderful. Mm. Uh, Josh, Josh. <laughs> pitched me that he'd read uh, my script, Mr. Right, uh, because he was interested in what Landis doing. I thought that guy would be in prison by now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Trank is the, interestingly, Trank is the child of an Academy Award winning documentarian. Um, but you know, it's it's always about convenience whose parents get brought up. Like J.J. Abrams' parents and Joss Whedon's parents never seem to get mentioned. And my they, dad's- They were like, farmers. No, mm, that's what I read. Uh, no, uh, but but uh, no, Josh. So uh, the girl was actually Amy Heckerling's daughter. So it was like a little team of little love triangle of directors' kids. Okay, Amy Heckerling, Clueless. Yeah, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, and so Josh had read the script, and he was like, "I think the script for Mister Wright's really good." And I was like, "Thank you." It's like I have an idea, and his idea was I think two kids get superpowers and then learn to fly. One kid, I think they had different powers. And then eventually one kid gets hit by a plane and dies. And the other kid, uh, I think, becomes a superhero. And I was like, cool. What if it's three kids? He was like, hmm? And I was like, I think it's three kids. And then I like got obsessed with the idea that I want to do Carrie. I want to do Carrie for boys. Mm-hmm. And we're in the age of superheroes. Yeah, and makes, we have the technology to sense. do it. So I wanted to fake out that it was going to be a superhero movie and then do Carrie on a superhero scale. Uh, and so when I started writing Chronicle, you know, I wrote Chronicle in like three days uh, because I was so it's so easy to write because like 99 percent of the movie's dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, and I wrote it in a way that's become standardized for found footage movies that I invented because I had to make the character, uh, the camera, a character. And I'm not saying that like I invented it because I'm a genius. It was just a, a functional thing that now everybody does where you describe camera does this camera does that and you don't direct because i'm not really telling you what the camera does i'm just telling you what kevin gave me the look but then you were already coming back in so i just did this you don't know you don't have headphones on i know audio well there's one thing i know it's audio sorry continue is that the only thing you know i don't know if there's one thing i know with the beard and the hair you look like one of the zero dark 30 guys awesome yeah no i mean i don't know if that's awesome or not but those guys looked cool it's talking about the seal team yeah yeah so no, so the reason no, talking about the terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> it's depending on who you're talking to for my Jessica, extended family. Jessica they might Chastain. Be about it. Oh, thank God, she's gorgeous. God bless her. Very talented young lady. No, but I I had to write that way because Andrew was holding the camera. And in most found footage movies pre Chronicle, uh, with the notable wonderful exception of Blair Witch, the person behind the camera was not an important character. And in Chronicle, Andrew's the main character of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I I had this theory. That by dictating what the camera showed, we could teach things about Andrew. What is Andrew choosing to look at? Mm. Why is he taking it here? What is he doing here? Why is he doing this? Like, remember when he rips the guy's teeth? Mm -hmm. Like, he shot that. Andrew becomes a director. 
because he's fascinated with documenting this power he has. And at first it's about friendship. It's about power. A lot of people say the message of Chronicle is about power corrupting, but it's not. It, it for me, maybe it is for some people. And if, if that's how they want to take it, but for me, Chronicle was always about uh, the, the first real close male friends you have uh, when you really find your wolf pack for the first time mm. in high school or junior yeah. high and how, hanging out with other people suddenly turns into this wonderful thing. If you hadn't really had friends like, and how fragile that makes you. Mm. And, you know, Chronicle is about fragility. And, uh, ultimately, you know, if Andrew hadn't been on all those painkillers and all fucked up, he probably wouldn't have hit Matt with that bus. Like he, 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 you see Dane in the script that says Andrew thinks about it. You know, he doesn't turn evil. He just freaks out mm -hmm. and then he dies and it sucks. Chronicle is not the story of the rise of a superhero, it, you know, which is funny because Josh, you know, I wrote the script for Chronicle 2, Martyr, and by then Josh had gotten superpowers of his own, which is he had <laughs> directed a movie that made $127 million off a $12 million budget. So Josh went on to do Fantastic Four, mm -hmm. and I was like, hey, don't do that. Stay with Chronicle 2. And Josh was like, I'm also going to direct all these other movies. So he went off to do four and I got left alone on a on the sequel, which leaked. You can read the sequel to Chronicle 2 now uh, without a director. And it was interesting because it reminded me, in some ways, me and Josh's fate reminded me of Matt and Andrew <laughs> at the end of Chronicle. It, that's deep and dark. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so so taking a step back, so you've written the screenplay and and uh, with Josh and he, I didn't write it with I didn't write it with Josh. Well, he had the he has a story credit. He on, has a story he? credit because yeah. he pitched me the show. So he pitched the show, but everyone you, was trying to convince me not to give him a story credit, but I gave him one because there's no fucking way I was gonna fucking like I would never written that movie right, if he him. hadn't pitched me that web series. Uh, but so what happens next? Yeah. So what happens next? Well, so you go away, you write it in three days and you're like, cool. And then I someone... come back to Josh. He's super freaked out. Uh, he reads it and he's like, this is really good. He starts mm -hmm. pitching me ways to shoot it. And, and he's pitching me like little things, steady cam moves and shit. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. So we're like, let's do this as an indie. Was it, sorry, was it always the design of the film to, ha to have it start as found footage and then have it kind of morph into a traditional it's never a traditional movie. Every well, I don't single... mean that. I mean, just mean the way it shows. So it starts to, you start to actually get some of those mirrored, like. Well, it's know, because he's, Andrew's moving the camera. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. super cool. And we, I feel like that does. But that was always... Yeah, I was tricking. I was tricking the system. You know? Yeah. <laughs> that was really awesome. Yeah. So that was, well, that was from the get go. You're yeah, like, from the get go. Awesome. Yeah. And Chronicle it's... 2 is the same way. Uh, it, it's, I never wanted it to become out of found footage. That's why, uh, you know, at the end, we have two guys floating next to the Space Needle. And Andrew rips all the phones and cameras. Yeah, that was cool. And in the sequel, there's a whole thing. A major plot point of the sequel is who edited Chronicle. That's, that's the, awesome. That's the first thing that's addressed mm, in the sequel yeah, yeah, is yeah. who got all that footage and made the movie Chronicle. The movie Chronicle is in the sequel. Interesting. As a thing that someone made. That's fucking dope. It's cool. Read the script. It's good. Fuck, but, uh, make the movie. But it's make not going to happen. We can, we want to do it as a Fox Patreon is here. Fox. We'll do it. Directed by Nick Scarpino. Yeah, Fox is much too busy with Deadpool 2 through 9. <laughs> we're never going to stop making Orleans, Deadpool yeah. now. Uh, but no, so then we were going to try to do it as an indie. But then John Davis, uh, producer, was like, the indie people we sort of talked to were like, you got to make it way smaller. And I we were sort of like, no. So is this the, are you actively pitching this at this point? You're going out. Or is your agent pitching? No, behalf, uh, like, my my, ma my managers are doing it. Got it. And Josh's managers are trying to attach him as the director on an indie. So then uh, it hits studios. There's a brief bidding war over it, uh, even though it probably shouldn't have hit studios. And uh, 
it ends up going with Fox because I do this thing, which was crazy and cocky and arrogant and stupid, uh, which, but ultimately I look back at it and I think it was the right thing to do, which is I said, I will not sell this script unless Josh Trank is attached to direct. Mm. And at a studio level, $12 million movie, the odds of that happening were literally zero. And Chronicle was acquired, but I think they sort of thought it would never really get made. Mm -hmm. And I had to do very little developmental work on it. I just had to take it from an R to a PG-13. I had to uh, change the female character subplot significantly. They ended up casting, in the original draft of the script, she's like sort of a chubby, smart Asian girl. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, she's played by former Victoria's Secret model Ashley Hinshaw. Mm -hmm. And and it's sort of her plot got, sort of got toned down uh, one or two scenes uh, Andrew doesn't kill his father anymore, which I think was the right choice in hindsight. Uh, and then <laughs> Josh was great in the, in the development process. And then this thing happened where Fox, two movies fell out of Fox's schedule and they were like, we need to greenlit something. And so they were like, uh, Chronicle. <laughs> and so it's, like, it's cheap. <laughs> well, no, I was such an arrogant, if you watch videos from me back then, I had such a, like an arrogant thing. I was like, of course. You know, I and well, it's a great project, though. I'm so, it's not completely unfounded to have a little bit of confidence in it. I think all my projects are great at the script level, <laughs> but it's being a dick about it and making sure. risky fucking business moves is not. How young were you then? Oh, I was 24. So that plays oh, into it. Obviously. Yeah. And it was it was crazy, too. It was how does that make you feel, Dick? How does that make you feel? That feel? makes me feel just very just inferior. The, to weir everything. the weirdest I'm proud of them. The, the weirdest thing was, is that so many people knew my dad in the industry mm -hmm. and had their own opinions. And it's the industry is so crazy because like, oh, God, I don't even want to get into it. But like it was funny because the it happening that quickly was like one of the coolest experiences in my life. But it totally fucked me over yeah, expectations wise because uh -huh. I sold Victor Frankenstein around the same time came out. Five years later. So you were like, it's time Four to buy that later. Ferrari. I would, no, hell no. That's not <laughs> me. crash that Ferrari. No, it's... It, it's <laughs> a flying Ferrari. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's time to fly that Ferrari into a building. Yes. Yeah, no, I... Uh, and then you wrote the script for Fast and Furious 7. Oh, God, I want to, though. <laughs> oh, my God, I, please. I would oh kill... God. Those are, those movies are written by committee, but, man, I'd love to get on that committee. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Because you know sky's the limit, literally. Yeah. Literally. Actually, oh. no. Space would probably be the limit. Yeah, no, no, no. Slow down. Heard that discussed really? casually, casually. Yeah, space. We're trying to figure it out. How do we Good. get into space? Good. Uh, well, there's, we'll there's get there by ten. At this point, so you might as well. But so, so bidding war, it gets greenlit. It gets, and you're off to the running. It, no, bidding war. Six months of development, movies drop out. It gets greenlit. Right. And then it comes out, and it's a big hit, and everybody likes it. And I think I'm pretty great at everything. Right. This is easy. Kevin and wants me to work out, on your stick. Don't worry about. It. I'm doing. Um, what Kevin told me. To spit do. on your hand first. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> And then so, and this is always a question I think a lot of writers get is do how, if any, uh, how much were you associated with actual production? Did you actually? Not at all. It, interestingly, Chronicle is the closest to my script and I didn't even visit set. Really? Wow. What? Yeah. I was too busy. That mm. was when I went on this crazy streak of spelling all, selling all these scripts. And like, I don't think, you know, maybe Josh, you know, it was Josh's first thing. He wanted to be the number one guy on that. And I didn't push to visit. And then... I did. Uh, I came back in with Josh to do all the ADR, and it was really funny because I hadn't seen any of the movie, and I was just knee deep in other stuff, and it came up on the screen. And I was like, "Oh, this is good." Yeah. <laughs> and I remember being. I remember being. I hadn't realized how relieved I was going to be, and I was so relieved. 
you only get that feeling once so far, but like, <laughs> like, uh, I, I really like American Ultra, but American Ultra, you know, I worked with Jesse and Kristen on like dialogue and stuff. And like, I was, I was in there a little bit more, but you know, I didn't really have power, mm -hmm. uh, in any way I can change things. Uh, Victor Frankenstein, I didn't see or have any affiliation with literally until they were, the cut had been locked and they were scoring it. Oh wow. And I, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I don't that even sucks. know how that happened. Is, is that, I mean, is that normal that like, I, cause I saw you tweet. No, it's not normal at all. The other day you tweeted about the Power Rangers thing. Oh, and the you Power were like, Rangers I didn't thing. even expect to get anybody to know I worked on this. Well, yeah, because I've done so many scripts of movies that have come out or I've done dialogue work on movies where I'm not credited or stuff like that, that people like, and, and I'm not supposed to talk about it. So the fact that, you know, I, as I understood it, they had totally scrapped my Power Rangers and it was heartbreaking for me because I helped set up that property. But like. You know, that's the nature of the business. That's just part of your jobs. Things you love and work on for months can just disappear. Weasel, wazzle, woozle, fairy dust, nothing. So it me seeing my name on that, I was like, what? And so I tweeted one of the other writers, Zach, who had been hired after me. I did the first draft, the first three drafts. And I think there are like a bunch of drafts of that script. Uh, but, but I tweeted him and I was like, what was yours about? He's like, not like yours at all, but I don't know what happened to mine either. I'm surprised to see my name on the movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well then. So I have no idea what happens in that movie. Nice. Uh, but hell, if they credit me, I hope I get paid. That'd be yeah, nice. Yeah, that could, that could be, that'd be, that'd be nice. Might be a big deal. A little residual, a little bit. I'm That's sorry. Nice. I feel like I'm so, talking too much. Well, is that, that a good awesome. side or a bad side for a movie? Like it, going through a lot of drafts and having a lot of different writers and stuff. Is that who knows? That sounds it's, bad. It, it sounds bad, and it often is bad, but it's different. You know, some movies have a ton of writers, and they're great. I I just saw Zootopia last night. Here we Zoot go. Zoot two nights ago, Zootopia has a story team of literally nine or ten people, and it's fucking awesome. And you can tell there are moments you can tell. Uh, it it had. A story team of nine or ten people. Second act break is weak, uh, but other moments it's just so inspired and genius and inventive and wonderful and well thought out and funny and charming that you don't see nine or ten people. You see the hard work of nine or ten people. You don't see nine or ten people all bumbling and fucking it mm -hmm. up. And so, like you know, there's no way to tell at the script stage. This is a thing I find myself saying again and again in interviews. At the script stage, no matter if it's the best script in the world or the worst script in the world. There's a chance the movie will only be okay or will be bad or will be good because there are so many points of refusal where they can fuck it up, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, and if you, from the second you're done, you're only, you, you've played, you, when you were little, trying to balance a bunch of things, you know, you're just the one little kid at the bottom putting the first piece and then everything's balanced on that. And if that's really weak, odds are things are going to fall down. But if you balance it right, they might not. I mean, Mad Max's script is, I read it, I would have thought that movie was gonna suck. Like it's dumb. <laughs> They're like much through that script, nothing happens. Yeah. You can't tell who the characters are. You, you can't tell why what's happening is important. And, except for then when George Miller sits in, it's because he knew exactly what he wanted. Yeah. Man. And so like when Charlize is there, she had such depth to that character and Nick Holt and fucking everybody in that movie does a great job. And the effects are great, and the action's great, and the direction's great, and the music's incredible, and the color correction's beautiful. Mm -hmm. The editing is perfect. The stunts are amazing. The yeah. effects are beautiful. The world's incredible. The production design is off the chart. The costumes are incredible. And you take that script, which is literally, I'm running away and going this way. 
<laughs> we're gonna go get her. And then 40 minutes later, we're with the old ladies. Right. Okay, gotta go back yeah. now. <laughs> hey, we're back. It's all it's all good now. Okay, goodbye, Mad Max. And movie. <laughs> like the script you're reading, you're like, okay. And then you see the movie, and it's just it's the ultimate tribute to like you don't know. You right. don't know until you know. If I tell you there's a picture of a woman smiling that has become an, a painting of a woman smiling that has become an iconic piece of humans human culture, you don't automatically picture the Mona Lisa in your head. And and that's what a script is. It's someone describing a picture. Mm -hmm. It's telepathy with a writer who has one vision for one thing. But you know, the truth is like I make it sound very fatalistic. I just feel like I'm tired. It's fascinating, man. Like, You're killing it. You're the fucking topic. Yeah. No, so, so, so the thing is, is that a lot of people say I'm fatalistic or I'm negative about it, but I'm not. I'm realistic because the truth is, if you don't see the movie first in your head and put it down on the page, then no one will see the movie. Mm -hmm. Screenwriting is an optimistic job because you are betting on yourself. You are betting against your own ability to convince someone to see a movie. People on Twitter have asked me, like, you know, you've had movies that have not done as well uh, or whatever. How come how come your career isn't over? But you want to know why? Because the main part of my job, the thing I think I'm good at, and I, I really believe in myself because you have to, like, I don't think Steph Curry, not to compare myself to Steph Curry, but who's <laughs> not as good of a shooter as Steph Curry? I don't know much about sports. I don't think a basketball player else. Yeah, yeah, you got the wrong group. <laughs> I don't think a basketball player goes onto the basketball court and says, like, I'm not gonna do good at this. I'm not confident. Sure, right. I'm confident in my ability to put work on the page that makes you want to see that movie. Whether or not that's the movie that gets made, that's you know, it's different. It moves around. Mm. The the elasticity of of story and of perception is tested constantly in my job. My question. Sure. You get kicked out of high school. Yeah. Was this always the plan? Yes, like, it was the plan since I was five. It was oh, the plan Jesus. since I was five. And my dad has always told me not to do it. Why? He actually, I worked with my dad as one of my first jobs because I bothered this producer, Adam Goldworm, enough. I got saddled up with my dad to do this thing, Dear Woman. And he rewrote me and changed a bunch of shit in it. And like, uh, you know, it's one of those opportunities that I only got because I grew up in LA and like mm -hmm. I was around the right people and I sure. grew up around the film industry. But like, it, it's one of those things where ever since I was a little kid, my dad was like, being a screenwriter is the hardest, most emotionally painful job in this industry. You don't want to do it. And I was like, yes, I do. You're like, that sounds great. Sign me up. Yes, I do. There's I'm going to spray paint the inside of the wall of the house. No, don't do that. I'm crazy. Like I was, <laughs> I was a rough kid. But no, uh, to answer your question, when I was six, I came up with a story called The Three Troll Brothers. And ever since then, from that second, I was like, oh, this is what I do. Nice. And I've worked at McDonald's. I worked at a comic book store. I worked at a grocery store for a really long time. I worked at a costume shop. I worked at a different comic book store. And the whole time, I only felt I was writing every day. And I was only, I felt like I was in a holding pattern just to get back to this somehow. Sure. So you get off the ground. So what was the breakthrough moment for you then as a writer? From, from, that took what from what like, started my career? Yeah, what was the one thing? Well, I had done this thing with my dad when I was really young because Adam Goldworm was nice to me, but that actually kind of hurt me in, in an interesting way, which is weird because you wouldn't think that, but if you're the son of a famous director and your only credit is with him mm. and you're like a little kid, you know, people in the industry aren't going to take you as seriously. No right. one's out to do anyone any favors. Uh, and it, it's, it, it, hurt, it hurt people taking me seriously. But I'd written a script called Hometown Hero, 
and I met an assistant at Gersh who knew an agent, David Koppel. Uh, and I was like, here, can he read this script? And David Koppel was like, <laughs> no, like, fuck off. But then he ended up reading it. And uh, he was like, this is actually okay. And you need to understand in the film industry, okay is pretty good because most scripts are unreadable. Are terrible. Yeah. Are terrible. You know this. Yeah. I, was, I spent a, a, like one semester as a, as a working for a production company. Doing coverage? I, yeah, doing coverage. And it was like, that it's, it was, it's I spent like my homework. Days, dude, I spent my days doing coverage. And also answering Real the phone. What is coverage. that, by the way? Coverage is when you you get you get screenplays that are solicited by the production company. They come in, and someone like me who has zero business doing coverage. Yeah, no, no, no. By zero the way, coverage, coverage people decide people's careers, and they have They're zero the qualifications. I was an I was an intern at Egg Pictures, which is Jodie Foster's old production company. And Did they you would see Jodie Foster. I did. Yeah, she came in apps all the time. It was right when she had had her I think first kid. So oh she hell didn't yeah. Come too much, but she <laughs> she was really cool. She I mean that that was one of the weird experiences of my life because I'm not from LA, so I have zero. Zero exposure at this point to the industry, and I, you're you're I'm typing coverage like pecking at this keyboard and this. You you've seen how I write spelling grammar error, spelling error. Nothing makes sense. Those things decide people's careers. Yeah, they decide people's careers. It kills me. Well, so the idea is that when when you get solicited material, when the production company says, "Hey, send your script in," or agent submits it, or you know yeah, whatever, yeah. it goes to a reader, and the reader will read it and write a one page coverage sheet, uh, a one or two page coverage sheet. With that is a synopsis of what it's about, gotcha. and then at the end of it, you say. Depending on whatever the structure is, especially you should read this or where you shouldn't read this. So I would be literally recommending that like the producers at this company read the script gotcha. based on my zero knowledge, zero of, knowledge, like, how to make a movie. I, I'd taken a year long writing course and you I was like, me, I can be a this judge. This is the and, fucking shit people don't know, man. You're saying crazy. it out loud. People assume that God, people assume that like you hand someone a script and then they read it that night when in reality it goes to some assistant who, by the way, might just be jealous or might just be in a bad mood that right. day, or, or might not have read the script, or might not have fucking read the yeah. script and just done a there summary times, about flipped through it. There were times it. when I'm not gonna lie, like there were times when I'd read the first couple pages and I'm like this is abysmal. This doesn't. This reads like shit. And I would just sort of try to get. An and ink, that's like, someone's I would, dream. I that's months it. of their work. I wouldn't skip it, but I wouldn't read it as attentively as humanly possible because I had like ten there, scripts to get through yeah. that week. Don't know? hate him. Don't be mean about this. this. So many people do this. This is a big part of the system that is irrevocably broken. Yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, so David Koppel was like, this is, there are parts of this that are really good. Uh, and I met with some management companies and I went with Britton Rizzio and David Alpert at Circle of Confusion and we never sold Home Down Hero, but I got some rewrite work and some polishes. And then I kept writing scripts, kept writing scripts, kept writing scripts. Mm -hmm. We take them out. They wouldn't sell. No one gave a shit. And then I wrote a script called Mr. Right and we took it out and people gave a shit. They didn't buy it. It didn't sell. But they were like, this is fucking weird. Like it was it was me just I really went for the throat. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to write a movie that can sell. It didn't. But it eventually sold. But I was going to say it's it's coming out. soon. It's coming out. Uh, But it eventually sold. But then I wrote a script called Good Time Gang. Mm -hmm. And Good Time Gang is still one of my I think one of my better scripts. It's my funniest script, I think. And it got op it got uh, rival offerings and then options and then sold. To to between studio low level production companies and studios, and th that having one under my belt set off. When I took Chronicle out, they were like, "We shouldn't do this independently. We should do it as a studio." Chronicle probably should have been an independent movie, but there wasn't money for it now. There's then there was there's money for it now, and all the financing companies. What was the, what was the end budget on that? I don't know. If 14. Fourteen end budget okay. all told, uh, I yeah. think. 
16 plus marketing. Yeah, that's but right so, in that weird area. But there like, was like almost no marketing for Chronicle. Mm. Chronicle was a complete. They thought it was going to fail miserably. We did marketing for Chronicle back when we worked at IGN. There was a sponsored video. Was that it? That, and well, I, we, we <laughs> made like a, a no commercial. Budget. It was probably just that, but yeah. Yeah. Me and Alfredo are in it. You should look at it. But look up IGN Chronicle. But so, uh, so yeah. So then this thing happened where I had because I'd reached this point of frustration. I had started writing extremely fast, generating ideas extremely fast. So when I got hot off Chronicle, I was like, oh yeah. Victor Frankenstein, Pied Piper, Villains, Amnesty. And I sold something like, I booked like eight jobs and sold like six scripts in like six months. And, and that, that's why I ended up on the cover of Script Magazine. And I was like, huh, it was funny to be on the cover of a magazine. I'm going to make a YouTube short. And then it's all from there. That's a hell of a hot streak, though. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I'm still, I'm technically still on it, but no one cares anymore. <laughs> because because it's just like yeah landis sells a lot of scripts fuck landis you know like and and we'll see and i'm also much more careful with how i sell now because i refuse to sell anything i don't think is going to get made now i will not take a paycheck I, I refuse to take a paycheck because it's like i've seen it go wrong too many times i'm like i'm beaten up mm. I, don't, I don't know Can so you, what do you mean you because you, somebody buys something they're not gonna and it disappears okay yeah it disappears. Oh, we need a female-led superhero movie. I wrote one. Universal has it. It's awesome. I'm so proud of villains. And it's just like... And so, like, you know, like, wh where's Pied Piper? Where's Amnesty? Where's, you know, fucking all these other fucking things? I did Space Mountain for Disney. What? And then they bought Star Wars, and it got fucking no. its head chopped off. Why? You know, like... And, and, <laughs> and it was fun, dude. It was 1950s sci-fi. But a world of 1950s sci-fi. So there are robots and ray guns and rockets, but there are no cell phones or internet. Oh, yeah. So, and the robots, nothing works, even though they're super future. Like, say, say robot, give me that coffee cup. Say it. Ro robot, <laughs> give me that coffee cup. He's heavier than he looks. <laughs> He's Superman. He's dense. Coffee cup. Yeah, <laughs> and so like it was, it was, it's a fun script. The main character's name is Roy, and there was oh, a female man. Han Solo type character who had a robotic arm that had a grappling hook, and there's an action set piece in a in a cargo hold where the gravity kept getting turned and off, on and off in the cargo hold. So yeah. there's boxes flying everywhere, but then also one of the characters has a grappling hook, and then also the other character has a jetpack, and they're being pursued by like twenty guys. Oh, and they have uh, magnet boots. So there's people flying. In all directions. And you know, when you're writing a movie for Disney, they got the money. Yeah, that can actually happen. So I was just like, this is pre-Tomorrowland, too. Wait, so do you think that's ever going to come out? Hell no. Really? It's in a drawer somewhere forever. It seems I, like that's Space great. Mountain, <laughs> the ride is probably never coming back. It's Hyperspace Mountain. Yeah, now. Hyperspace Mountain. Star just change, just change the fucking title on the script and remarket it. That's Hyperspace. not how it works. I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> with you. I'm just teasing with you. But, um, you guys want to help me make a story decision? <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah, I, I was writing on the plane. I'm, there's spoilers for a movie that might come out in like four years. Uh, so I was writing. You heard the, it here first, exclusive. I'm writing the sequel, spiritual sequel to my script, Deeper. Uh, my script, Deeper, hopefully will get made soon. I'm very excited about that script. Uh, I'm very excited about the people I'm working with on that script too. It's basically a one man show uh, inside of a submersible pod going to the bottom of the ocean, except for it's a psychological drama. It's my most emotionally intense piece that uh, it's not, but it's it's among them. And and it uh, it's all this guy in this pod 
talking to people on the surface, except for we become aware something is trying to get into the pod. <laughs> and uh, what it is and how it works is not what you think it is. It's The Shining. It's, uh, you know, Locke. The, the Tom Hardy film. It's mm -hmm. it's all those things wrapped into one. It's not buried. It's an adventure movie and it's scary as fuck and it'll make you cry. And it's about loss and suicide and I'm really proud of it. So I'm writing the sequel to it. And the sequel, it's not actually a sequel. I'm just, I'm going to do three of them. Deeper, higher, and further. Uh, I and, see what you're doing. And they're all about human connection. The first one is about the connection, the idea of loss and moving through loss to find connection on the other side of loss. Uh, the second one's about romantic love. And I'm writing it. I'm writing it. I was writing on the plane today. I'm 40 pages in. I started on Thursday and I'm just like, I got to get it because, you know, I'm show running now. So I have no time to write this script. Yeah, I should not be writing this script. I should be working on Dirk Gently, but I have to. I have to get it. So you guys are going to help me make a story decision. Okay. Good. Finally, we get our credit. OK. <laughs> Everybody gets a credit. <laughs> Everyone of the best friends. You get a credit on the movie. <laughs> and you get a credit. OK. Uh, so here it is. It's about this guy. We see this guy who has a gun. He looks like Jason Bateman in a suit, like a lawyer. He. Kevin can come and go. Where'd he go? He went. I asked for more tea. Oh, he's like, he no, want, I, I just missed you. He doesn't want the movie spoiled. Do you want more coffee? Uh, no, I don't need any more coffee. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, I want more coffee. Love you, Kevin. Sorry. We love Kevin. Let Continue. Okay. This is the worst. If you need to borrow him for show running, you Decap, let me know. Love it's okay. Decap, love your body. Because he, he'll do stuff for is this, you. Is this a boring thing to no, hear? No, this is amazing. No, 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 no. You're Sorry, we great. just have the attention span. I, I just know. ordered him as his No, CEO. I'm not taking his keyboard. I just, okay, so, so, okay, so. Story decision. There's this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's like a lawyer. He, he Jason seems, Bateman. Jason Bateman, kind of a sarcastic, nice guy. We see him load a gun, and he's standing in the rain next to a telephone pole that's on fire. This is the first image in the movie. Okay. And he's on the cell phone talking to someone. We don't know who. And he's like, no, it has to be me. It has to be me. It can't be anyone else. So the first act of the movie is all takes place. Two acts of the movie take place inside a barn. And uh, in the barn is a woman. Um, I don't know who the actress is, but it's, it's a very cool role for an actress who has built the inside of the barn is filled with like webs of of electrical cords going in every direction and all these different types of computers set up. And it's not clear if they actually do anything or gotcha. if this is more of a sculpture a crazy person made, but they're all connected and she is not wearing a shirt. She just boobs out and covered in uh, equations. And when he arrives, she thinks he's a delivery man and he explains he's a lawyer and the machine that she's working on has drained power from three districts all around them. And for the first act of the movie, they're just going back and forth. And he's like, you have to turn off this machine. You have to turn off this machine. You have to turn it off. You have to turn it off. But we slowly become aware that there's something in the center of the room under a tarp that the machine is powering. And when he gets the tarp and looks under it, it's a fission generator. So they're standing next to an active refrigerator sized nuclear warhead. And he's like, what the fuck is this? However, also at this time, we've begun to realize that a lot of the things she's saying, specifically about the stars going out, there's something in space that's coming, they're not real. In fact, she's doing a lot of word salad. Familiar with that? No. It's a schizophrenic problem. It means when you start to say something and also the helmet, you come down around there and we all know that when I went there, my father didn't know, but we were still there before. And I knew that when you saw that there was a helicopter flying over me, I'd be angry about it. It's essentially free-form thought. Right. Schizophrenics do. Uh, you can see incredible videos of it on YouTube. It's terrifying. 
Uh, but she's doing a lot of that. And we realize she's crazy. And he has sort of been treating her like she's crazy from the beginning. A cop arrives outside. He goes outside and he says, officer, you just need to leave. And the cop is like, well, no. He's like, did you not get a call? Did you not get a call? He keeps telling her, like, leave the barn with me. Shut all this down. But when the cop arrives, he goes, did you not get a call? Don't you know you're not supposed to be here? And the cop is like, sir, I'm going to need to see some identification. We got telephone poles on fire all over the city, all over the county. And if you don't, he's like, did you not get a fucking call? Do you not fucking know you're supposed to be here? You need to get the fuck out of here right now. And the cop is like, sir, you are taking a tome. And the cop gets shot. Cop falls. The topless woman has wandered out, mad scientist, and shot the cop. Cop is injured. He's like, I need backup right now. And the guy is like, fuck. Goes back into the barn. He's like, give me the gun right now. And she goes, somebody sent you. I'm going to kill you. Somebody fucking sent you. He's like, give me the gun right now. You're out of control. This is the end of the first act. Give me the gun right now. You're out of control. And she's like, I don't trust you. You don't listen to me. You never listen to me. And he's like, oh, I never listened to you. When do I never listen to you? She goes, I don't know. I don't know you. And he goes, when's the last time you took your meds? And she goes, I don't need them anymore. You always tell me I need them, but I don't. And she, he goes, who am I? Am I your lawyer? And she goes, no. And he goes, who am I? And she goes, Flynn. And he goes, yeah, who am I? And she goes, you're my, you're my husband. And he goes, yes, give me the gun. And they fight over the gun and he gets the gun away from her. But by now, ATF and the government who sent him in, her former husband, mm -hmm. and he's wearing a wire, have surrounded the barn. Shit's about to go. And this is all at the end of the first act. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You got you to gotta start it good, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't do a good 30 pages uh, without 10 minutes of talking. Uh, so, so the rest of the movie is basically him and her in the barn and explaining what's there. What's in the barn is a, is a low orbit launch vehicle that she has built. The generator is to power it to go up to space. The reason is, is because she violated the Carl Sagan principle of never contacting aliens. Mm -hmm. She's a schizophrenic astrophysicist who he was married to for years and has gone off the deep end after leaving their daughter in the house alone for a week. She almost starved to death because they lived out in the middle of nowhere while he was on a business trip leading to them separating. After they separated, she became obsessed with a binary star supernova, which doesn't make sense. Two stars can't go out at once. Mm -hmm. The odds of that That's are astronomical. Right. And she traced it and she saw that there was a radio signal that came from every system leading up to that where the star went supernova. She was like, so something's coming. Something's coming. So she contacted it and then it started heading towards them. Ah, shit. And she's like, no one believes me. I've gone off my meds. It, she can't. She keeps saying, I can't tell the difference between the aliens in my head and the aliens that are real. And he's at first the audience is like, there are no aliens that are real, sister. But then you start to realize <laughs> anyway so so but it doesn't seem like there are but so finally they breach it and this is the decision i need you guys to help me make okay so we're gonna launch this fucking low orbit launch vehicle okay, okay. We and we're gonna launch it at the end of the second act with both of our leads in it good good okay and the way we're gonna launch it because she doesn't have access to rockets is a uh railgun slingshot a magnetic electromagnetic shoot boom just slingshot them into the sky right and on what is hypothetically a suicide mission uh to blow up the aliens just as they arrive using the generator she built, which is actually a bomb. Which is actually a nuclear bomb. Yeah, which we is the it. weapon. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a series of reveals mm -hmm. as the movie goes on. So here is the decision I want to make. He figures out that what she's saying is real by looking at her map of extinguished stars. 
And I have two ideas for the way he does this. And I want you to choose the one you like better. The first one is she agrees. You get her to her absolute lowest point. She agrees to go outside. And then there's a electromagnetic pulse from space because they've arrived. And as they're walking out, all of the electronics on the cars go off and she realizes it's real. I'm not just crazy. It's happening. And he does too. And they launch. Mm -hmm. I think that's an interesting way to do it. And it sets up what's called a ticking clock. How do you question? Or am I, can, or do you want to save questions for afterwards? Sure. How do you set, how do you rectify the fact that that pulse would have taken out all electronics needed to launch them? Because she doesn't, her stuff is all different. It's okay. built to survive the okay. pulse when it arrives. And that's why it sucked all the energy from the grid. Second question. How do you rectify the fact that both of them going would leave the daughter by herself? Dope. The daughter is in the care of their friends. Okay. And it would leave the daughter Because that's what I'm saying. Like the, you know, the you know, is the you main know, character the guy in this or are they, is it, they both? She, she's much? the main character. They okay. share it. It's a two, it's a two, it. two-hander. But honestly, the thing, he's there just there to get her out of the barn. Sure. But they don't have a choice to both not go. Mm. I mean, like, if it's real... But that's my yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, her 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 friend who was helping her build it has been arrested, which is what led him to her. Got it. Okay. Okay. So who was also crazy and like a problem? The other guy. So it's like drug addict she's been sleeping with, who like doesn't notice she's crazy and just does whatever she says. But so the other option, which does not set a ticking clock, but I think it might be more emotionally satisfying, is that he finally convinces her. The aliens are not real. Your machines don't work. They're not fucking real. He convinces her to come out of the barn to surrender. She begins to surrender. They cuff her. It's darkest moment. Looks like the movie's ending on this incredible downbeat. And then he's looking at the star maps and he moves them and he goes, oh, but that would mean it was arriving right now. And there's the pulse. And all the stuff goes out except for the stuff in the barn. And they have her and they're like, what happened? And he's like, let her go, let her go, let her, let her go, let her go. He comes out and they go, sir, back up, back up. We understand you're upset, but back up. And he goes, let her go. And so he goes back in the barn and they're like, okay, start to move her towards the bang. He comes out with a gun, let her go right now. And he basically pulls her away from the group of cops. Mm -hmm. Give me the keys to the handcuffs. Give me the keys. He has like his gun on a cop's head. Mm -hmm. They throw him the keys. He uncuffs her. They go into the barn. They're like, let's fucking kill her. They start to breach the barn. And then as it, they breach the barn, it launches, which is uh, how I started my Fantastic Four pitch way back in the day. And it's always going to be there breaching the barn and it launches because that's such a cool image of a, a little barn in the middle of nowhere with just a rocket shoots through the roof when all these cops go like that. But do you think it should be two? It's got to be two. And but I, that's because, more action-y. Yeah, but yeah, I like good. the idea that he spends the entire first two acts not believing her and then because he finds something in himself because he still loves her because there's still that moment he's open to the idea of it and can finally see yeah. it once she's when she's captured and then he has to spring her yes i like that idea yeah. and i also like the idea that 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 i don't know i like the idea that he is the salvation even though he hasn't been he's been the shit the entire time well that's the game the game of the movie it's very emotional is yeah i think you're right and i wanted other people to confirm yeah, <laughs> yeah. because otherwise you're gonna otherwise what, what's the point of him being in the story uh, it's different. It's about the, the entire story is about love yeah. and, and the responsibilities of love mm -hmm. and the idea that if you love someone, you are bound to them, even if you don't want to be. And him coming back to a woman who he hasn't seen in five years to attempt to save her on the eve of her destruction, unknowing that she <laughs> intends 
to save him mm-hmm. on the eve of Earth's destruction right. is to me an incredibly powerful setup. And I really like the idea of moving them around emotionally yeah. and twisting the knob because you make him seem like kind of a shit. Except for then you realize how crazy she is. Yeah, you realize why he's motivated yeah. for it, right? Because and she put the one thing that combines them still forever, which is the daughter, in danger. Yes. And so that would you, be, That's why father, he was a shit. Yeah, that would yeah. make that That's would make why he doesn't forgive anyone, her. Henry, yeah, but then you have to have that one moment where he go, where he realizes that, and it has to be because of his love for her, that, she, that she's right along. Yeah. And he needs to I like do something he, about it. Can have I you, you, have you thought about her being captured and him just taking the pot up? Oh, hell no, that can't happen. can't happen. I want her to fucking do it. She has to do it. I want her to do it because the final beat of the movie, spoilers if this ever gets made, the final beat of the movie is uh, they go up, they launch the pod, they launch the missile, it blows up. They're like, they ride a nuclear shockwave back into Earth's atmosphere. Terrible landing. Terrible, terrible landing. The whole movie, he keeps trying to get her to take this pill that'll calm her down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, you know, like a, Oh, what's it called? A uh, uh, fuck. I have it in the script. Depressant. It's not a depressant. It's a. It's an antipsychotic. Oh, okay. it's like a lithium pill or a, it, lithium like is a, is a mood stabilizer. Uh, I was on lithium for many years. Uh, it's great, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it. Uh, Kurt Cobain doesn't know what he's talking about. It's great if wow. you're if you're a depressive. Lithium's very. But I'm done with all meds now. Can you tell? But no, I, uh, <laughs> I went off meds and my hair turned rainbow. But no, uh, I have the the last beat of the movie is they crash on like the edge of the Grand Canyon and uh, are so got- they actually they oh they make survive. it back. Oh okay, I thought it was a suicide mission. That's it what is I was a suicide. That's mission. why I was saying you can't if they if they actually die at the end, you have to leave one of the parents Just there. Listen to this scene. Gotcha. Listen to this scene. <laughs> so so he goes. They crash on the edge of the canyon, and she is all fucked up. His arm is broken. And his leg is all fucked up. It's not broken, but it's all bloody. He's all bloody. She's all bloody. And he goes, oh. and they're on the edge of the canyon. It's like that part of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, if sure, we go sure, over, sure. and she goes, point, she yeah. goes, and starts screaming and hitting him. And he goes, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? And she goes, who are you? You kidnapped me. And he, cause she's delusion. She, you know, and, and he's like, no, 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 no. Stay with me. Don't do this now. Don't do this now. And she goes, I'm in a car accident. I've been in a car accident. He goes, it's not a car. This is not a car. It's and not it, a car. It's, it's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's funny. If, <laughs> maybe I need to change the line. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he goes, this is not a car. You were not in a car accident. Look at me. And she's like, you tried, you raped me. You did something to me. And he's like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Who am I? And she gets out of the pod and starts to go over the edge. And he's going, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't please, please. This is not a car. You know, he's screaming and trying to pull himself out, but his arm's broken and it goes all the way basically over the edge. And she's just walking away from it into the desert. There's government helicopters coming from way over there. She says, they're coming to help me. They're going to protect me from you. And he's like, no, help me. Who's going to tell Sasha is their daughter. Who's going to tell Sasha her mother saved the world. Who's going to tell her she won't know. They'll just put you in jail. They won't. And he goes over the edge. Damn. And she turns and stops and she goes. And she turns and goes back and he's hanging on to the side of the thing with one arm. And the audience goes like this. <laughs> she, pull, she pulls him up and and he's like, he's like, are you here? Are you here with me right now? And she goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, God. And he's just holding her with one arm. And she takes the pill finally. Yeah. And she takes it and he goes. Thank you. And she goes, and then they hear, and all the space debris 
from blowing up the ship are falling in neon pastel blue rainbow down from the sky over in the over the horizon over the Grand Canyon just crashing way over there and he goes look at that and she goes we got him and she goes and he goes yeah you got him and then for the first time in the movie we see government helicopters and it's just them framed against it's like the end of Fight Club them mm-hmm. framed against all the stuff falling out of the sky she goes for the first time he said it a couple of times earlier but she goes I love you and he goes well, that's a relief. <laughs> that's good. All right. I don't know. I like that. You are right. That's the better choice. I like it. I like it a lot. I'm sorry. I talk so much. No, I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> Again, we brought you on to talk. Yeah. A very boring podcast if you came here and sat. <laughs> My question is, how long had you had that idea? Uh, I had it on Wednesday. How? <laughs> what's interesting about it, and what I know we talked about this, but I think, and I, how much, fi- how much do you think Firewatch at all set you on a path to that? No, Because we deeper, both talked about not deeper, being... Deeper uh, set me on a path to it. Okay. Okay. Uh, because in Deeper, which I wrote way before Firewatch, Kevin, which start saying so, stuff. Sorry, do the rock, I'm sorry. I keep going so from... much. Nobody knows if you're actually. Doing... Yeah, you're just having just a good adjust, time over there. Just his audio, Kev. Uh, Please ride the audio. Thank you. Sorry. Uh, but so no, uh, Firewatch Deeper is a direct corollary to this. Okay. Uh, which I wrote way before Firewatch. Firewatch really pissed me off. Yeah, I know. Cause in that we had, we had done the whole review discussion about it and it was great. Like a week later I saw you start tweeting. Did you about like it. it? Did you guys like it? We are we were an escalation of Colin like hated it, Kevin loved it, and everybody else is somewhere in between of just like eh. I liked yeah. it in spite of itself. I I think I found its ending so pretentious. I fa- I found it I think that's the number one problem everyone has with it. Well I thought it was fine. Like, while I was playing the game, I didn't like it. And then it was afterwards, the, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I actually, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I thought it was cool and I liked the story. What other ending would there be? Like, he finds her? Like, no. she's there? How about this? How about this? It's some weird shit in the woods. I'm so happy it wasn't weird no, no, shit no, in but the woods. Th- no, but I'm not. Because you know what? There wasn't a story. We're about to it's, go balls deep into this. Firewatch. This is not a book. In a <laughs> story, the way stories, the way narrative satisfaction works for me. And if it works for differently for you, which it clearly mm-hmm. does, then okay. But if I'm being told a story, there has to be something in the story. That story is not a story. The thematic pieces of it, though adult, grounded, mature, and well thought out, do not fucking connect to each other. Ha- having a wife who is in dementia does not connect to th- this story with the, the woman on the other end of the thing. It ultimately does not connect. You can flirt with her or you can't. Guess what? It ends the same way. So nothing you do in the game matters. At least I know. At least. And by the way, the guy's already gone. Nothing you did mattered. Mm-hmm. And not in a fun burn after reading way, which, by the way, is a lot of pro- people's problems with that movie is that nothing happens. Not even in that fun of a way. In a way that literally at the opening of Mario, if I don't go save the princess, she's not going to fucking get saved. If it had been anyone but me in that Firewatch Tower, the same shit would have happened because you're not a participant in a story that has the emotional backbone of nothing. There's no, there's you, you, you don't go through an arc. You don't find anything new. Suspense slowly builds and then goes nowhere. And by the time you don't even get to share with her that you found that kid's fault. I'm sorry. I really, that game really, and it was so sad. One of the devs like tweeted at me. It's like, thanks for playing. And I was like, they're good dudes. They seem like they seem like good dudes, but what a passive aggressive. Like I and I was like, I'm not saying you suck. I'm not saying I'm saying I didn't have fun with your video game. If I took personally everyone who said my movies suck, I would fucking kill myself. 
But like, I don't know. Firewatch- See, for me, for me, it wasn't. It was less about the story. I, I, and I think a lot of people will agree. I think the dads would even agree that the the the, the sort of completion of the story, the third act of the story, is where it starts to fall apart a little bit. I mean, they've. We had him on the show a few weeks back, and he says that's that's the number one criticism they've gotten is that the the resolution is not there, unfortunately. But for me, it was about the experience, the actual like using the medium to give me a different experience. Right. And that's what I really liked about it. Right. Coming off of every game, like I can't stand playing 60 hour games. I can't do it. I played Metal Gear. And I was like, I don't know if I'm done with this game or not. Can someone tell me if I'm done? Because I think I'm done. But like when I played Journey. That's like a two hour long game. Right. And I had a full emotional experience. That that I haven't played yet, but and but oh, I can. Got to. But I can. I just played Gone Home, and you were asking about that earlier. I don't want to spoil, it, don't for spoil you. it. I won't spoil it for you. Yeah, how much do you know a, anything about it? Nothing. Oh, you're gonna be. Blown you know, away. yeah. I'm not. I, I'll talk in. in I'm in the middle in of Vegas. vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yeah, I, I'm. And I'm not that far. I'm at the church, but I'm like an, an hour. And I, I that spaceman. When I went with that spaceman. Oh boy, was Max happy playing that video. <laughs> I was like, this is the most fun thing anyone's ever done, and I'm doing it right now. See, I, I think you'll like Gone Home I th- because I think it is a different way of telling a story. And I like that. And But for Firewatch, for me, it was less about the story and more about just Scenery? the... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was about the experience of being there and connecting with someone then in why do they make us skip days? Why not, not just I'm not see, saying I like, it's not see, without me, a plot. I, I, I just, liked it because you never knew what was going on and you kept yeah. like wondering what's happening. I know it's kind of a cop out that it's like, oh, it's nothing. But I like that. I like that it's in unlike other things like Until Dawn. Do you play Until Dawn? Yeah. Like where I loved on, Until Dawn. Except it's like, okay, there is some weird There's crazy some monsters. Thing. Yeah. I would have much rather not be. You know, yeah. and I feel like this is a lot of horror games and horror movies, all horror movies have that issue where it's like once you know what it is. It's not scary anymore. It's not no long. Then it's just that third act of like. Of let's tell Don though. I guess I don't well, know. It depends. It's not less scary because you you know what's happening. Yeah, true, true, not true. all horror movies have that problem. The Ring doesn't have that problem. Okay. The Shining doesn't have that problem, and it's because the narrative satisfaction isn't connected with the hidden monster. Mm. The narrative satisfaction is what's going to happen to this person. The more you know about the monster, and also the the setup of you can't defeat what this is. Like the setup of that, but I see what you're saying about I I understand why someone would love Firewatch because I, I guess for me the the thing about Firewatch is the the most resonant moment isn't supposed to be the end. It's supposed to be that moment where you realize it isn't an, a monster. Oh, yeah. It isn't this thing, and it's when it, it clicks. When and I don't want to spoil, even though we're, in the we're entirely spoiling it. The cave it's is the cave. When, yeah. When you're in the cave, the, to me that is the end. Everything else might as well just be like a post credit scene. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but to me, I mean that's that's where I. I think you're right. That's that, where I for me the cave was the end of the game. I, the same for me as well, but I was assuming that there was going to be something else, some conflict, some confrontation. The problem, which there was, was not, the and that was, was the, that me, was my problem with the cave being the end, which I agree with as well. It was the end of a story I didn't care about. That wasn't the threat I cared about. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I didn't care about this kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about I the cared dad. About the kid. I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to Delilah about it. Right. And like, I, I fully, was more hung up on I what fully, the fuck. I knew that kid was fucking dead. Oh sure. <laughs> I was like, I was like, those guys, they're both dead because the Sasquatch got them. They're going to be a Sasquatch in this. No, there isn't. <laughs> right, right. I mean, that's my thing is I, you know, when I still the way the game was built. Think about this. The way that game was built. Imagine if you'd been in the cave. And then you had heard in the sound design. And you realized I should probably get out of this cave. That to me is a is is finishing is going for something 
like just something weird, something scary. Yeah. Well, see, to me, it was that the moment when you walk in and then you see that the 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 jet skis and whatever were all fucked up oh, and yeah. broken. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Because yeah, until the then, tent. there wasn't that. The, like all the messed up tent. The like all of a sudden there's these girls and then they're gone. And then you hear reports that girls are missing. Mm-hmm. It's like, and then that I don't know. Oh, they're just drunk and they're doing stuff. I'm like, I liked that. I liked that. There were so many plot points that could have been explained by Sasquatch. But they weren't. They were all explained in ways that I'm like, that is entirely believable. The whole kid story, I didn't give a fuck about it. But it's like, how did he die? Is he alive? Whatever. The explanation, it all makes sense. That figure you saw, the shadowy figure, it's like, oh, that's why he's here. That actually checks out. Can I tell you my thing? I, as a storyteller, my favorite type of story is the the girls were just drunk. That guy just lives here. This, just that. And then Sasquatch anyway. Yeah, okay. well, <laughs> that's my favorite type of story. Yes. Yeah, I mean, my, my brain wanted that too. My brain wanted there to be a government conspiracy where they were trying to track down something and you just happened to be in the middle of it, right? I wanted Lost when Lost was in season I two. I thought we were having an experiment done on us. That's what I thought too. And so, exper- something to that degree. And of the like, experiment was the same experiment that killed that kid. I knew that kid but was dead. The experiment was gonna be, they wanted like, you to think that. And then it wasn't that. Yeah, but how and fucking trippy would, how trippy would it have been if you went to that the firehouse where Delilah, Delilah was staying and she was like a robot or a recording that would be something trippy. that you're that like, be predictable. what the fuck is going on here? I don't know. I, you know what? It wouldn't have been predictable because you want to know. I, that's what it is, is you nailed it. The, it wouldn't have been predictable because they spent so much time telling you that it, everything was normal. If they had like pulled the rug out from you at the last second. Yeah. I mean, like people would have still hated the ending, but it would have been less people probably if mm. it had just been so, some some kind of left hook. So, that's my right arm. <laughs> but, they, they won't see the that camera. I definitely wouldn't see a left hook coming from your right hand. But but I'm glad you like Firewatch. I'm sorry I hate it so much. I feel bad when I hate things. But you asked, uh, how do I disconnect from it? And the truth is, I don't have to anymore because American Alien is exactly the way I wanted it to be. Well, and speaking of a male American Alien, topic three is <laughs> Superman. Oh, cool. Topic two is going to be let's ha- Max Landis pitches us a movie and then we talk about that. <laughs> I didn't pitch you. My Side note. Well, no, you're still doing that other oh, one. Lord have mercy. But I was going to talk the about the break? one you just did where we helped you with your script and now we're going to get story credits. Can topic 2.5 be Nick takes a pee? Sure. You want to take a pee? Yeah, I'll be right back. Take a pee I would break. also like to take a pee. All right. Do you need a pee? No, I like sitting with you. Like <laughs> Hashtag Landis Pokemon. It's just a thing people keep tweeting. I'm into it. I don't know. Someone, I like it. someone at Warner right Brothers now. tweeted it a while ago, and I don't know. All right. Well, welcome know. to topic three, everybody. I don't know what it implies. Uh, Max Landis, you've made a lot of movies. You've written a lot of scripts. <laughs> you've done a lot of things. None of that means anything, because you are currently in what will be looked back on in 30 years, making the work of a lifetime, and it's Seminal called work. Superman American Aliens. Seminal work. I fucking love this comic. Yeah. And I've told a lot of people about it. They have been nice enough, the best friends as they do, to go out and pick it up and try it out. Thank you. It's rare, I feel, uh, that you get to be part of a Superman story that I will now recommend the rest of my life. You know what I mean? Like, we're in the the weeds with it, but it's already on the short list of terms. And I'm not just giving you this blowjob because you're here. I do it when you're not here. Uh, You know, but people all the time. Most of the blowjobs I get are when I'm not present. People always reach out and ask what Superman books they should read, why I love the character, da da da. And I have a bunch of other. I think Kingdom Come is always a great example and these other things, right? But American Alien right now is so perfect for why i love superman you know what i mean i always talk about it and we've done videos and we had uh you know gene was on a little while ago to talk about his current run of superman and even he isn't hitting on the the story notes i love right and i always go back to the fact that for me 
and why I love Superman is like why I love Smallville, even there's so many shitty episodes of Smallville. At a core there, there is Clark Kent's this dude, this, you know, Kansas dude trying to make the right decision. He isn't an alien. He doesn't speak in Kryptonian. He's not doing, you know what I mean? And your book is literally just like, here's Clark Kent learning to be Clark Kent. You know what I mean? And it's so fucking good. Thank you so much. I, I, uh... I don't read a lot of Superman comic books, so take my opinion with for what it's worth because I don't read a lot of comics. That's general. perfect. It's for people who don't read a lot of. And it really, it really is. I mean, with I don't read Superman. I read Batman. I read Marvel stuff. I read this and that. But like with him, he was just like, "You should read this." And then I, I did. He was like, "This is this is my Superman." That everything he just said. I'm like, "All right, I'll check it out." I'm like, "I can get behind this Superman. Like, this is a Superman that I can get and understand. It's not the I'm so powerful and like right. everyone." That has their problems with Superman that don't actually read, don't I'm, know I'm the history and all blushing. that stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> that, and that, that's, cool. that's what I was going to say is there's a, there's a weird sense of honesty and like reality in this that you just don't traditionally think of when you think of a Superman comic book, right? Yeah. Like the conflict of this kid like going through almost this this pubescent like puberty, <laughs> but his puberty is super fucking dangerous and terrifying, <laughs> right? And like it's terrifying, and you see it, you know, resonating in the father that's trying to be strong for his family but is also like fucking like beside himself with with grief and terror over what he might have to do because of his son you know like what he what what this might eventually lead him toward doing right where the mother just wants to protect but she's also terrified yeah and it's and then you have those beautiful family moments where the tension is has been relieved and like okay we're back to being like this 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 unit again um but i don't traditionally think of that when i think of comic books in general and i especially don't think about i think of superman as going like as the image of the boy who's lifted the truck that you know the dad was stuck under and when he was a little baby he's like what's up i'm good you know and like oh this kid's gonna be perfect for fucking ever right 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 right. what i like about this is it shows you the trials and tribulations of this of this figure that's like traditionally the boy scout but is in fact very flawed. It's funny you hit on a, a thing, a thematic thing that I haven't said in an interview yet, which is that each exclusive kind of funny. Each issue is about different things in a very fundamental way. Uh, the first issue is about your father. The second issue is about your mother. Ultimately, when you're a boy and you feel like maybe sometimes you don't have as much in common with your mom. Really, the last pages of the second issue are just Martha. The third issue is about your first girlfriend. Uh, the fourth issue is about your first job. The fifth issue is about being a grown up. And what it means when you sort of feel like, am I an adult? People are asking me adult questions. Sure. The sixth issue is about your friends and what makes a good friends. And the seventh issue is about your enemies. And it, it, they're, they're just pieces of, uh, of life. Mm-hmm. And that's why they have different title, titles. Uh, thematically, you know, Dove, Hawk. The bird, yeah. The bird yeah it, well, they're all things that fly. Mm-hmm. Look, up in the sky, it's a... Uh, and right, uh, right. and uh, that, that was my goal. And it's funny that you kind of hit on that because the first two issues are really about the Kents. The third issue is about, you know, in its way, it's about Cheetah, Barbara Minerva. It's about this girl. It's about, you remember the first time you meet a girl or for girls, the first time you meet a guy who you feel like there's this whole world that they're a part of that you've never even come close to. I mean, that's Parrot to me. It's just like, holy shit, you live this life. And like, I've met, I've met so many women who've changed me in fundamental ways. And like, that's Clark's. That, that's him wanting to leave the farm. Is in the third issue. He would have yeah. stayed in Smallville if we hadn't gotten drunk with that girl on a boat. Yeah, he has that awesome scene where he screams at the stars. Yeah, you know he's talking I mean? to his parents. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, man, what a fucking awesome moment. And that's the thing is like, there are so many of those. There's every issue has at least one of those, right? Like the one for issue one, and I'm reading it in the art style of so much for issue one. Not that the others have been bad, but like, you know what I mean? For like, oh, what is American Alien going to be? You pick it up, you're like, oh my god. But at the very <laughs> end. There's you just nail this scene where 
he's finally kind of controlling flight. He's controlled flight for the yeah. first time, and he's sitting there and he's just ranting. Yeah, he's a little kid. Table, and, he, and he does that. And he does that. It's something. Um, like we can go everywhere. And I love. He's doing that whole excited thing, and you can read and you hear the kid voice. Yeah. And he, he does the whole thing of like, I'm not saying you have to decide yeah. right now. Kind of yeah. shit at the end. I'm like, that yeah. is so fucking great. And awesome. then yeah, to jump to issue three or whatever and have him screaming at the stars and her not be, being a little drunk so she's not picking up on exactly what's happening of course yeah. she wouldn't know it's so fucking good you know yeah, what I mean? it's cool I really enjoy how accessible it is like, I like that it's it's not an ongoing crazy thing and it's also not necessarily a mini series that you need to read in order oh like, no you, you can, can jump read them completely issue, out of order and it's so totally cool but when you read them in order there is that growth you I like that it's the time jump time jump time yeah, jump yeah. And the stories are not interrelated, but it's like the characters are, at least in some some ways. There, there are moments, it's really cool. There, there are moments in the second half of it, in three, four, five, six, and seven, where there's spoiler, but there's a moment in six, which is like a little moment, but it might be my favorite moment in the entire series, which is that Pete Ross uh, and and uh, fuck conduit Kenny Braverman Kenny. Uh, come to visit Clark. In Metropolis. And I don't want to, because, you know, Superman's been flying around. And the issue is about if you were friends with someone your whole life, and now they're, and you know they can fly. Right. You know who, but now they're fucking on TV fighting a 30 foot tall monster. Right. How fucked up would you feel? And like, what are you doing? Like, the level, I get nervous when my best friends go overseas. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so it's, but there's a moment where they're in his apartment and. Pete's making fun of Clark and he picks up the Batman mask from issue four oh, and cool. puts it on and he goes like, ah, like that. And it's just like moments like that are hidden in each issue where there are moments that connect There's threads and stuff. There's threads, sure. but ultimately you're right. You don't need to read them in order at all. I'm just, I'm so happy. You, it's, it's as a screenwriter where everything changes when you do it. Yeah. It's, and it's such a money with my mouth is where my mouth is situation with that comic because my first viral video thing I was a part of begins with me saying, nobody gives a fuck about Superman. Right. And like, I just, it's, it, that they, that they gave me this opportunity is just, it's like, it's rare that you're humbled by something like in a real way. Like, you know, like you can say, I'm so blessed and humbled. But like when they said yes, after my pitch out at DC, I was like, in the first issue, you can learn to fly the second issue. And they were like, okay, well, we'd have to see how you, I already wrote the first issue. (laughs) And, and like, it was really, I couldn't believe it. I was over in Burbank where DC is by Warner's and I was walking over to Warner's and I walked from DC to Warner's for my meeting and I got the call on the way. And I was just like, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. And I, and then to, to have gotten the artists I've gotten and the reception it's gotten, it's it's been so painful as a writer to hear people react to things, both good and bad, that I'm not directly responsible for. Mm-hmm. Other than the art, I, I am American Alien is a hundred percent what I wanted it to be. Yeah, that was gonna be the question for me. Is like you've got all these uh, these gatekeepers when you do a film, right? All these people who who everything has to be at DC. I only have one. But that's my that was and my he question. Likes me. Like who? So who, it's how, when you, is it weird to have that process stripped down now? To just its rawest elements of like the words and the pictures. I feel like, like a fucking cowboy. Yeah. When I was when I was writing it, when Is I was there, have you ever I mean, have you gotten in a situation where where whoever the powers of be are like, eh, I don't think we want to do this. We yes. Want to change there there it. were two more stories in American Alien that they they were like, we don't know if those fit. Uh because it was gonna be uh it was always gonna be seven, but there were gonna be two interstitials. Mm-hmm. 
that are like 10 pages, but they they were like, meh. And I was like, okay, I'll just release them on my own later. But no, uh, <laughs> I'll do it. Have you ever read my Mickey comic, Boys Night? No. Uh, it, online, Boys Night by Max Landis and Ashley Perriman Quatch is a comic I wrote about Mickey Mouse. And it isn't what you think it is. Uh, it's, uh, it's a comic about friendship and getting older. And uh, it, I, I like to release things online for fun because I just write constantly. But no. So what happens? So there was two things that they said no to. Number one. In the seventh issue, uh, Superman called someone a dumb motherfucker because he was, and it was censored, but they were like, he can't say that. And so I said, can he say, and then I came up with a way more graphic, intense thing with less swear words. And they were like, yep. You're kidding me. No, it's awesome. He just You're, can't, he just can't, they just didn't want the mother and the Dumb motherfucker. The also, I had a cover uh, that I really wanted to do, which was Clark. There were two versions. One was the, the main one was going to be all for six. Although now I think six, which is Clark standing in a crowd going like this with all these people who ripped open their shirts to reveal the Superman symbol is probably the best cover in the whole fucking series. But but originally it was going to be uh, Clark with his cape on like this and no pants like in boxer in like boxer briefs standing in front of the mirror doing the Superman pose as they were building the Superman statue in Metropolis outside the window, but he has no pants on and and Lois is on the bed like this. (laughs) (laughs) And, and and then the other one was uh, a guy opening a public bathroom stall and Clark with like the costume half on, like, you know, like when, you know, when you're taking a shit and somebody like pushes open the door and you're like, "Ah!" like that, it was that, but him turning into Superman and him like, And and they said, no, we can't do that because it makes Superman look foolish. And I was like, you know, I have him like drunk twice in this series. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, Superman can't get drunk. And I'm like, no, no. One time it's from a neurotoxin. And then the other time it's from a uh, decompression sickness. But, you know, Superman can get drunk, right? They were like, no, he can't. I was like, my Superman can. They were like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, oh. Okay. I was like, my Superman can get cut too. Like if he runs into something at 50 miles an hour, he's going to have a bruise. Right. And they go, okay. And I go, yeah. And also Jimmy Olsen's black and gay. They're like, yep. And I'm like, okay. And Lois Lane's Asian. They're like, okay. I'm like, uh, I want Superman to bite off one of Lobo's fingers. They're like, yep. I'm like, uh, I want him to burn off someone's arms with X with laser vision. Yep. But no motherfucker. No motherfucker. <laughs> but he can't, but he can't, and, and he fuck can't his mom. He can't look foolish. Mm, mm, and like mm. I was like, uh, there are rules for a reason, Max. So. Yeah, and and but DC's been so good to me during it. Like it, it's been wonderful. I I did want to make a a, a video, uh, but I I wanted them to throw me some money for it, and they said no. Uh, so I might end up making it on my own, but now I'm too busy with Dirk Gently. But yeah, uh, American Aliens like a dream. Dude. Is there anything you guys want to know about? It? I mean, like, well, I, I mean, like, still how fucking passionate you are about it. I love seeing you. I mean, you've been excited this whole show, but like you talking about this is different. Like you're just like, this is so fucking cool, and this is awesome, and I love that you love it. I, just, I think that's awesome. It's my dream. It, it was. It literally. It literally was my dream. And so when they said yes, it was this weird thing of like I'd already written the stories on my own. For free, because I was just like, I've been talking about Superman Seven Stories, which was the original title for American Alien, for seven years in interviews, because it, because it, it's so cool. Like it's just such a cool, the idea of a guy who is an alien who can beat the shit out of almost anyone except for all the people he can't beat the shit out of, who are incidentally the only ones coming after him. I mean, like Batman's, ah, oh, Batman's an easy to write character. 
Anyone can write Batman. Superman, it's like a challenge. He's like a direct challenge. You know, Spider-Man, easy to write, fun to write. Uh, fucking Green Lantern is even easier to write than Superman. Green Arrow is easier to write than Superman. Wonder Woman is as hard, and I want to do a Wonder Woman book so bad. Uh, call, called uh, Wonder Woman, Women, w- Woman First, or uh, the the other one. Uh, I I wanted to uh do a Wonder Woman thing called Yonic, which means vaginal. It's the vaginal equivalent of phallic. And just go do a American alien of Wonder Woman because Wonder Woman's character is as blurry, if not more blurry sure. than Superman's because no one was sure what, what she's supposed to be. People have great ideas and they're individual great Wonder Woman stories, yep. but she's always too in control for me. I want her like Clark because to, in my mind, she's the military version of Superman. She's someone, except for she came from a culture where she was told, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. I want to send her out in the world and be like, not only are you not the best. Men who you've been told your entire life are weak and lame can actually come after you and you can't dismiss them. I think there's such an incredible gender story in Wonder Woman, especially in culture right now. I mean, like you could do such fun stuff, but uh, I have her fight Clark. I want to do a sequel to American Alien called Agent of Superman, Agent of Batman, Okay, which is about uh, Bruce training Clark. Pardon me, not Bruce. I, I, I have a beat in it where Clark goes when they first start talking. He goes. Hi, I'm Clark. I'm Clark. Batman goes, I'm Batman. And Clark goes, hey. <laughs> so freaked out. Like, what the fuck? So is it for uh, Agent of Batman? Yeah, it would be Agent it, of Batman. Is it is it the Clark from American Alien? Hell yeah. It's awesome. the, the people called it the Landis verse, which was like the coolest thing ever. Fuck yeah. yeah. I was like, I, I was like, yeah, cool. Because my, my Superman's a lot weaker. Uh, even even in his fully fleshed out form, he's what? so he gets shot at a certain point. Well, he gets shot in uh, in, uh, in, in uh, issue two. two. In, two. in issue so. two, he gets shot in is the that, face. Is that and you see blood? Is that because it, well, it he's breaks still, his, it's he's it's because he's young. It's because he's young. Okay. Yeah, and and he's but it breaks his orbital bone. It breaks his nose, right. and then he gets shot in the chest with a shotgun and cracks his rib, and he heals fast. But my guy. It's much blurrier what he can and can't do. He mm-hmm. can't fly that fast. There's a line in six where he's like. I can't fly through the city that fast because I will go out of control. Like, have you ever run super fast? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't say this in the comic, but you know when you're running as fast as you can and you're like, if I fall, I'm going to wipe yeah, out. Yeah, like a course correction. You yeah. douche yourself. Yeah, and flying's the same way. He can only fly like 600 miles an hour over the ocean. and even, In a straight line. And even then he's like, uh, like, like <laughs> I don't know if I hit a bird, this is going to be really bad. And, and, you know, my guy is... You know, he's super strong. He's certainly stronger than Cap or the Iron Man suit, but he's not. You'll see how strong he is in five. I mean, like, he's pretty strong. Mm-hmm. But I, I just find it so boring anytime Superman gets that Silver Age. Yes. I can do all this shit. <clears throat> I hate I hate how many powers he has these days. Ugh, the solar flare shit and all that crap. No. Well, but... they also, they also like, they took away his powers. And yep. I don't know. But I, no, I mean, that, that's the whole thing. Right? I don't you, shit on it. You've been a Superman fan your whole life. I've yes. been a Superman fa- fan my whole life. And having to defend him I know it always feels like when people step in he's like he's a boring character I'm always like well he's not a boring character I can cite like you're saying with Wonder Woman these great individual stories yeah. but with an ongoing 500 issues of action comics there's so much filler in there well, and people do lose the lead they do bury they it lose the lead. and it's like he is just yeah like I always talk about it like, and I'm not saying I'm like a genius who's writing Superman better than no, anyone you're just doing what like I think a fan like me has wanted somebody to do forever you know what I mean and I'm also the guy who's always talking about can we please blow up continuity yeah why do we even have 
ongoing books. Instead, get a, an author, get a, get an artist, put them together and say, you have 12 books to make a Superman story. And if it wants to be like what you're doing, where you're building the Landisverse, awesome. And if it wants to be, you're doing this and now you're doing a Batman book and they aren't connected, awesome. Like, yeah. Don't, we're, as comic book fans, right, I really feel like DC gets caught up in like, well, we, and everybody, Marvel too. We have to get more people in. We have to get fresh blood in and blah, blah, blah. And they don't treat those people with respect to no. the, a point of like that you're going to come in and pick up Kingdom Come and you're going to pick up American Alien and be like, well, so this comes in the timeline before that? Like, no, nobody thinks that way anymore, right? Like movies have fixed that with reboots and whatnot. It's, well, what's, what's so fucking frustrating is that I'd like to blow up continuity. I'm with, I'm so cool. I, my biggest name drop I can do is that I'm friends with Grant and Kristen Morrison. Uh, who are one unit in my head now. <laughs> but, but I just realized, uh, but like Grant's always on this shit about like, continuity's great until it's not. Do you want more acid? And I'm always like, yes, tell me more about it. And, like, and, and, and he's always on that. But for me, I don't want to blow up continuity. I just wish there wasn't the effort to maintain it. Because some of point. my favorite stories come from continuity. That's a great point. The Batman run from Nightfall to the end of No Man's Land. Fuck it. You know what? From Nightfall to the end of Bruce Wayne Fugitive. Mm. Just that t 10 years of comics. Yeah. I was like, I was balls deep in. There's a reason the Arkham Asylum games all use that version of the continuity. Yeah. With Tim and Dick and Jason and, and, and everybody running around. And so to clarify my point, I'm with you. That I, I just want to see where it, we're not slaves to it. Well, where it could be that like... You could do yes. 10 years of yes. Batman books, but it would be the the idea that one you, story. you have 12 issues or whatever it is. You know what's happening. It's the same reason you see like right now, I, I, you know, I'm i a big fan of uh, the Batman New 52 because Snyder's been on it the whole time, right? Yeah. right? So there's one guy steering the ship. He has a story. I like Scott Snyder's book, but I find the Batman New 52 in the first year, zero year and all that shit. I found it very overwhelming. Zero year. Well, I, zero I year kind of, yeah, that uh, lost. Every other story arc has been fucking fantastic. I also don't, don't know about this Joker stuff. I, I like joker i just wish my favorite thing to do with joker mm -hmm. i loved writing him for my superman comic adventures of superman by the way yeah if you're uh, not familiar with it, it but was that was me writing mainstream deal. superman still great though uh, but it's still totally you it's still i remember me, yeah. i mean because i didn't know you then but i knew did of you, you like it yeah yeah and i remember reading it that's a love it or hate it and it was just a totally like you're they're just talking you're like, fucking, this is awesome. It's you know funny. what I mean? It's yeah. funny. People who read that always say, like, this guy clearly hates Superman and Joker, and he's making a metatextual commentary on them. No, I'm not. The opinions expressed by those two characters in that comic are completely unreflective of what I think of them. Yeah. And so it's 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 the problem of having a face. People assume I, my personality is divested into, divested, invested in everything I do, and it's not. I mean, like, eh, eh, Oh, God. I'm happy you read that. That was so fun to write. I love working with Jock. Jock's doing issue seven. Oh, nice. It's the most violent fight Superman's been in. It's sick. I like, I, I, and I say that as someone who hates the end of Man of Steel because it's not cool and destructive. This is an action movie. It's a fight from a Coen Brothers movie in a Superman comic. Oh, shit. Okay. It's fucking Who's true, he fighting? true romance. I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Someone who could Thought beat, I could get him. So, uh, someone who could beat up Clark. I actually already revealed it within this interview, but yeah, he's, he's talked. He said the name like five times. But but uh, oh, so it's Lobo. I no, I didn't. What? Fuck you! I was part of that. <laughs> I was just seeing if that's who. No, it but uh, but it uh, yeah, it's. I just want to do stuff people haven't done much with the character, and I just love it, and I'm so excited by it. And thank you so much for tweeting about it, and thank you everybody for reading it. It's crazy that people are liking this comic, and the next issue is really fun and my favorite. Annoyingly. 
my favorite page of the next issue is the last page of the issue. Uh, but he finally gets the name Superman in the next Oh, nice. Issue. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's cool, cool, cool. Yeah, Very yeah. cool. So is the book, and I guess before that, then you're the, two, the Adventures of Superman stuff. Is that, did DC watch... You're like the death and return of yes. Superman regarding Clark and they yes. hit you up. Yes. That's awesome. That was exactly it. Well, I hit them up after I knew they'd seen it. Okay. And I was like, Hey, I'm a writer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, please don't. I, <laughs> I, I know we're on the phone. Can you go? You go? You get, you get the fuck out of here? Jim Lee came out with his broom. He's like, get off the porch. I just went out and I left in exactly the same way. He's like, I don't know why he keeps doing it. Maybe it's a thing. It was Jim was so nice to me at a party at Comic-Con where I was like, can I get an idea for the seven stories of American and he was like, "Okay, here's my email. Goodbye." No, Jim's, uh, Jim's awesome. It was, it was that's how I ran into those guys. Oh lord! And so, next question then would be: Now that you've got a taste of it, like, is this something you're, you're all in on? Like, oh, yeah. oh, hundred percent. I, I want to do more comics, but the issue, the real issue, I have another comic coming out in a couple months called Green Valley, which is uh, sick, and uh, <laughs> is is through Skybound. Uh, Oh, I was wondering about that because you mentioned DA earlier. Me and DA, me oh. and Rob, me and DA, me and Rob. Please. He is my old manager. Yeah, I know you said that earlier. Yeah, when yeah. Talking and he's about producer that. on uh, on the, my movie Mr. Right, which is a pretty silly movie. And he's a uh, producer on my show Dirk Gently that I'm working on right now. DA yeah. and I, we have sex. Whoa, yeah. Uh, we uh, figuratively. He's a mentor of and mine. Literally. In the mind. He's a mentor of mine and just one of the smartest guys. My career wouldn't be in the place it is without him and Britton Rizzio, who's my manager, who they, they started out together, but she started her own company. Gotcha. And I went with her, but I stayed with him in business because I love him. I mean, like, they're so smart. So much of this business, so much of film is just if you have a manager you can trust. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so real and is smart. And so many people don't know what they're doing. But my people really are smart and know what they're doing, and I love them so much and you don't have any friends but they're as close as you can come to having friends in the film industry and i want to marry david Ayer. i've been working <laughs> i've been working with this thing on bright i just love david Ayer. i like i fucking he's so smart he's so smart and he sits he sits like this in his seat with like a gun on the desk he's like uh i'm not bringing it into you i feel uh i feel like what they're doing constitutes a microaggression i'm like what david he goes Oh, uh, they're violating my safe space. You know what we gotta do, man? I'm like, what? He's like, we gotta fuck them up, man. We gotta fuck them into the ground. They microaggress at us. We fuck up their whole families. I'm like, dude, I like it. I like it. So <laughs> Who are they? I don't want to be they. They, they is always different. Yeah. <laughs> David, David has a lot of they's, and we're going to fuck them all into the hey, ground. Fuck yeah, oh my God. Not? So I love that. So you, you make your movies and all that stuff. You're showrunner on TV and all that stuff. You're doing American The showrunner thing is killing that. me, dude. Sorry, continue. But I, I do want to touch on what you're working on right now. Sorry. Because it's a fascinating well, content. My thing, obviously, my introduction to you was the death and return of Superman. and That's that was mo most people. Yeah, exactly. And that's super awesome. And then the wrestling isn't wrestling. I've heard about it for a long time. I actually just watched it yesterday. Did you I'm like, like it? fuck, why did I not watch it? <laughs> it's awesome. Wait, 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 wait. So we brought Chloe on for E3 and you'd never seen any of that? No, I mean, I knew Chloe from other things, but I hadn't no, seen that. No, that's all she did. That was her, that was it. No, no, I'm going to be, true. let's be real. That's all she did. <laughs> so, Chloe. <laughs> um, anyways, I think that's where the hate, that, where the hate comes awesome. from. And I love that style. Chloe's one of my best friends. I, know, I'm <laughs> I love the style of it so much. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities between those two projects. Do you want to do more of those? And Have you ever seen the old ones? No. 
Okay, the reason those are stylized the way they are, Death and Return and Wrestling's and Wrestling, is because I do those for fun in my spare time. I don't monetize those videos. I don't pay anybody except for uh, my editor who has to sit with me for hours and hours. Uh, everybody, the, everyone in them is just my friends. And I was like, give me one to seven hours of your time over a couple of weeks. Uh, or if it was Chloe, more than that. But, you know, me and Chloe love hanging out. So it was just like, whatever, mm -hmm. let's go be weird in costumes. For the but, record, we'll fly ourselves down for the next crowd. For anything. Uh -huh. When I looked in the crowd and I saw John Carl, I was like, fuck God John Carl, why didn't you tell So us? many people are in that crowd yeah. across so many different fandoms. It was like, it was ridiculous. Uh, but fucking Christopher Daniels is in my fucking yeah, uh, but I so, fucking love it. Joey Ryan running around. Yeah, Joey. Did you see Joey's proposal video? Yeah, of course. I was. Uh, I saw that. Oh, yeah. I saw the dude from the, the wrestling yeah. thing. I was hanging we, at their house like a week prior. Yeah. And I was like, Lauren was like, you know, I'm never getting married on one of these days. She was like, doing like little like jo passive aggressive jokes about never getting proposed to. Yeah. And then a week later, viral proposal. Yeah. yeah. I showed that. Awesome. I had shown that to Tim. And then we went to an APW show here and Joey did his cock move. And Tim was like, oh, yeah, it's like that guy online. I'm like, that is the guy online. He's yeah. like, oh, no way. And I'm like, do you understand that that's the guy online? And it blew my mind. And then I watched this shit. I'm like, it's that fucking guy. Yeah, <laughs> Joey Ryan, John, what up? Him world. and John Morrison, that guy kicks ass. But no, uh, no. So in college, when I'd get bored, I would make shorts. So there's actually, there's me, there's the first one was Drunk Comic Book History, The Robins, which I didn't know about Drunk History. They came out like within like three months of each other. Uh -huh. And believe it or not, I did not know about Drunk History. I just stood <laughs> in a corner and drunkenly talked to my girlfriend at the time about the Ro the history of the character Robin. And then we were like, we should make something with this. And then midway through editing it, we were like, have you seen Drunk History? This is just like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> but uh, but we had so much fun making it. I did a sequel about the storyline Nightfall. Yeah. And then I did a third one. That's a two-parter. That's the weakest one in some ways. But in, in some ways, it's the best one uh, about the comic book Watchmen. Mm. And in the first one, I'm drunk. In the second one, I'm cooking. And in the third one, I am I, I, I didn't sleep for two days. And then I had my girlfriend wake me up after 30 minutes of being asleep and explain the plot of Watchmen. My God. So there's like this drowsy, incoherent voice being like, there used to be a lot of superheroes, but then it got outlawed. Like, it's just, it's so <laughs> stupid. But yeah, I, I do want to make another one of those, but I no longer have free time. Yeah. Like... You said this is your only day off this month and this, this your is day my, off is coming up the podcast. Th my day off was going to San Francisco and hanging out with you guys. I mean, like... My girlfriend broke up with me and it was a super bummer. She's the best girl ever. And we broke up. But then now that I'm show, I started show writing a month later. Oh, it would have ended no matter yeah, what. Yeah, no time for that like, now, huh? Like, Jesus Christ. Take, take a step back for everyone because we talked about this a little bit at lunch. But for the audience out there, run us up to how you became a showrunner now. And tell them what a showrunner is. And tell is. them what that entails. Okay, so. Because you're normally a features guy. I'm a feature guy. guy. I do rewrites. I, I am the I am one of the rare writers who has sole writing credit uh, on my first five and now apparently maybe six movies. That's awesome. That's insane, and it's a testament to how hard I work uh, in the editing process and in the notes process to keep everyone happy so I never get replaced. Because even though I seem like this crazy personality, mm -hmm. I'm pretty easy to work with as a writer. I take notes well. I get in there, but. Uh, that's not to say one of my projects hasn't been heavily rewritten, but, uh, but you know, in the arbitration, they said, this is your fault. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so like maybe the internet is not great for your reputation. I'm sorry. No, uh, no, I, uh, 
I'm so I'm so lucky that these people are nice to me. Anyway, so uh so what ends what ends up happening was there's property Dirk Gently that I'd loved forever as a as a fan. It's a Douglas Adams property about a, a holistic detective. And he uh he solves crimes through use of interconnectedness, but really he's psychic. And he just says that mm. interconnectedness because he can't really control his psychic ability and doesn't really know how to work it. And I'd always wanted to do my entire life. I'd want to do a TV show of this, like unquestionably. This was like my big thing. I was like, I want to do a TV show. And then this producer I know, Arvind Ethan David, who loves it too. This British guy who's one of my favorite producers to work with was like, hey, Max, guess what? Do you still want to do Dark Chantley? That's a terrible accent. But he has a wonderful, he has a, he has a wonderful posh British accent. He's an Indian oh. man. He's oh, an Indian. Gavin, now want to do the Dark Chantley, don't you? I do that to him all the time. <laughs> they love it. They, they love it unequivocally. Love it. They love it. They love it. They love it. But no, uh, he, he was like, do you still want to do this? And I said, yeah, but I'd want to do my version. He was like, okay. And at the same time, I was, as an executive producer, setting up a show at Sci-Fi Channel called Channel Zero uh, for my friend Nick to write. Uh, and I was helping him pitch it that I'm a producer on. I was like, I guess I'm in TV now. Sure. So I yeah. wrote the pilot. We ended up selling it to BBC America, except for then we got a series order instead of a pilot order. Okay. They were like, this is good enough that let's do the whole, whole show. The whole series, yeah. The whole eight, How many eight, episodes? Eight. eight. So not that many, right? No, nah, you can do eight in your sleep. You've done movies. Yeah, you've eight's done movies. That's okay. a lot of pages. Okay, though. okay, 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 okay. So here's what being a showrunner is. Right. Because Arvin was like, you want to be a showrunner. But you're also writing this as well. I'm writing five, six of the eight episodes. Okay. And no, uh, when, But you have a writer's room. Are there other writers there? There are three other writers. Okay. Uh, Celine, uh, Andy, and based God, Rob Cooper, who... Uh, <laughs> Is just blessed be this guy. He is awesome. helping me learn how to do all of this shit because right. he ran Stargate SG One for a really long time. Awesome and Atlantis and Universe. These are phenomenal this is kind shows. of a different show. This is more like a BBC show, like a Luther or a Sherlock. Oh, okay, I fucking love that. Uh, in in look and in tone, but ideally, you know, you as a screenwriter, you can never promise anyone anything. This show might suck. I don't think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be really good. I'm mm -hmm. very proud. I'm working very hard. But so what I didn't know about show running, because I'm a screenwriter. You go to meetings, you get notes, then you dick around. You get drunk three nights a week. You play a lot of video games. You go to a lot of parties. I'm having a nice time. And then, oh, it's Friday. I only have a week left on this rewrite. Do, 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 right. do, do, do. I'm done. Homework's Here's done on the Sunday rewrite. night. And, and, like, and, yeah. and then you're, and I was like, and I, during, during production, I've experienced you got to get this rewrite now. Okay, turn in. Rewrite it for the bridge. Now we have to do that. Now you have to do that. We can't have that scene there because that location shut out. So you have to change the entire conception of this scene. Change the whole story. Do that. I've experienced that. And I thought that was pretty intense. <laughs> so here's what, here's what being a showrunner is. You have to watch every audition for mm -hmm. every role mm -hmm. and make notes on them. So that's 40 to 50 auditions every two days, each character. Okay, so that's an hour of your time, and a lot of them are bad, and you gotta get through them. Then you have to approve locations, you have to approve production design, that means lighting fixtures. And everyone suddenly doesn't know anything and they come to you. Everyone suddenly has no opinions on anything because you're the showrunner, so your opinion is the only thing that matters. So I Because they don't wanna be usurped. They don't, want, they, they don't wanna do the wrong thing and then get blamed by you. Right. You have to read everyone else's work. You have to chart their work. You have to make sure their work is achievable in the budget per episode 
setup. You have to figure out what the line producer is doing for every episode. So can we have a scene? Can we, we already wrote that episode. Okay. In that episode, there are eight locations. We only can use five. Okay. So then what do we do with all the plot points and the scenes that the rest of the series is built on from that point to take place in other locations? Well, you have to fix those right now. When's right now? You know, by Friday. But it's Thursday. Right. Yeah, uh, you have to do that. Your show run. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. But uh, while you're doing that, just uh, low key tonight, we're moving. We're not going to shoot in uh, Calgary. We're going to shoot in Vancouver. So all of our rates changed. So who you can hire just changed. So we need to hire new production heads. What? Well, every choice I've made in the last two weeks doesn't matter. No, no, no. You, you they matter. But they don't anymore. No, no they're not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they matter. And so, and and then, and, and so uh, you get a script in. That's your script. That's another writer wrote. You got to give notes on that. Then you have to go and change the dialogue. Then you're getting notes on your scripts from the other writers. You got to change the dialogue on that. You have to be in constant meetings. What kind of music do you want for this show? This kind of music. We can't afford that. Then this kind of music. We can't afford that. What kind of music can we afford? Dubstep. Okay. Well, sure. Like it's, <laughs> that's, that's a fake. That's a fake choice. But so many times you're asked questions of like, what do you want from this? Right. And they go, and it's just starting. It's just starting. Rob Cooper keeps telling me it's going to get worse. And, and I, you're like, how is that possible? <laughs> so have you started shooting the show yet? No, we start in May. So you're just in pre-pro right now. We're not even in pre-pro. You're just still developing the thing. We're finishing development. Wow. And and it's already just like everywhere I turn. And by the way, by the way, I'm still doing notes and rewrites on Bright. I have to give notes on all the fucking scripts for fucking Candle Cove for Channel Zero. And then I also have to fucking finish my fucking last touches on Superman, the layouts. It's stupid. I backed myself into a ridiculous, <laughs> shitty corner of good luck. And I'm awesome so player. grateful and I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's just very stressful. But so what? So this is so in the same breath. God, you also I wish talked I could about, grow a beard like yours. Yeah, well, touch it. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. I don't want to touch, touch it. it. I don't want to touch it, but I do. Oh, it's soft. I know. That condition. <laughs> um, but so, but you say that, but you also have a movie that your, your first directorial, was it the, your yeah, It's coming debut? out on Friday. Coming out on Friday. And so I'm doing clearly, all the marketing of that too. Clearly you are wanting for more responsibility on these projects. Yes. And which I assume has to come from years and years of being the low man, not, not not necessarily the low man on the phone pole, but having less control. Yeah, but than even you, do now. you know, even in Me Him Her, the movie I directed, mm -hmm. I found myself constantly compromising because I was a new director and we only had a limited amount of money yeah. and I didn't know how to pull certain things off. And like Well, that's just the base. That's just a that happens all the time. I think me, me Him Her is a fun, good movie, but I think I think I'm gonna it just made me want to direct a hundred more movies. Yeah. And like, and be like, would you have said that during production or now that you've had a yeah. distance from it? I think like, part of the good. problem of me and her is that I had such a great time making it. You're like, I don't want to stop making this movie. Uh, yeah. And was, your producer's like, you got to stop making yeah, this movie. It was, <laughs> it was, Get it out the door. It was so much fun. And I loved everyone I worked with. Hmm. Are know. you going to continue to go in every different direction? Or are you going to pick one? You think we're at, I'm, I'm a director now. I picked one for four years. I'm done being a screener. I'm going to go in every direction. They'll let me go. Okay. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I'm going to keep making shit for YouTube. I, I like, I have to, you know, until President Trump triggers the nuclear apocalypse, I'm going to keep trying to, I like to tell stories. I like to entertain. Did you guys, did you guys want to talk about the Ghostbusters thing or did you? No, we're doing that after this. This will already be up by, that'll already be up by the time they see this video. Cause that's how good we are at time travel. Time travel. What I want to end on is that you have this diehard pitch you want to give. Oh, I had, I was going to give you guys, I, I basically pitched you higher earlier, but I gave you spoilers. This is like a soft pitch. Mm -hmm. So I come up with about a movie idea per every three days. And I don't pursue most of them. I used to pursue all of them. That's why my I've written so many features and sold way less than that is because I used to 
every idea that came into my head, I'd be like, I want to write that. So I came up with one and it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like toy soldiers. Uh, and it's sort of like that Sean Astin movie from the early nineties. Wasn't that toy soldiers? No, no, that's a different one. Toy soldiers Soldiers was the, is, is the military prep school. All right. Okay. And, and then there's another one about like the, the cool tough kids in school go up against a gang of mobsters who are trying to get there. But wasn't Sean Astin in toy soldiers? Maybe there's oh, another there's another that. movie where right with like Patrick Stewart or something. Star Trek. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Is there like a buggy scene in that? Yeah, where the kid rides a buggy. It's not, that, was it's not, a, that wasn't Jonathan Brandis. What the fuck was it? It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Sorry. Continue. Well, it's it has elements of that, but basically it's about this prep school, and it, at the prep school. It is all of the children of the United States ambassadors and the United States senators. And at the prep school, there is a 15 year old kid who is gay and he's really gay. He's not subtle gay and he's trying to hide it because his father is a super Republican senator. Sure. Anti-gay marriage, super intense, divorced. Mom isn't in their life. Mom was like a young model who he married, like a trophy wife who moved away and then later died. And so she this, moved away to die. So well, is, she moved away and then died uh, seemingly in, in poverty somewhere. Mm. Le, like she basically like her life fell apart mm. and he divorced her once she, it was revealed that she was an alcoholic because he thought it would be bad for his image. Gotcha. And it's implied that this dude feels a lot of guilt about that. I think maybe William Hurt is his father. The kid, the kid, but he has such a terrible relationship with his son and his son is not even rebellious. He's just gay as all hell and doesn't know what to do about it. So he's extremely quiet, extremely withdrawn. When the movie starts, he has been texting with another boy in school who is maybe gay, except for he's one of the cooler kids in sure. school. And his gayness is not a problem for anyone. Everyone's just like, he's cool. He's like the fun gay guy. Whereas our gay kid is like quiet. His dad's really mean to him. His dad keeps calling him. He's a disappointment. He doesn't have any friends. He's a weird gay kid texting the cool gay kid like, oh. And then the cool gay kid takes pictures he sent him and posts them on Facebook mm. of him like trying to look cute in the shirt on. And he's like, why do I always get texts like this on Facebook? And everyone in school. That's you cold, know, cool gay kid. You know that the, you know that fucking thing people do where they like post texts people sent them that yes. are embarrassing? He does that. Or when your annoying friends quote you on Twitter with yeah. zero context all the fucking time. Oh, the worst. Stop being so entertaining. All right. yeah. you want to see? We're I'm trying only to doing you it because you are not doing yourself any favors on Twitter. Good point. You need to tweeting those things. I know. So so he's so he's he's miserable and he's more and more bullied, and his father is like super pro-gun, intense, and keeps trying to take him shooting. And gives him a gun for his birthday. Uh -oh. And he's like, I don't want this. And his father, basically, they get into a yelling fight. And he goes, well, if you don't want to live here anymore, I gave you a gun. Oh, wow. And the kid is like, fuck you. And locks himself in the room. And the father like goes to apologize. But he's so emotionally cut off that he's just like, fuck this. I don't know what to do. And so he leaves. And it's like, this is a fucked up family. So the kid takes the gun and he is furious at the bullies at school. He's furious at them because this like really nasty, like Ryan Felipe in, I know what you did last summer, yeah. like cocksucker douchebag as keeps making fun of him in public and being like, excuse me, being like, why don't I get a text, man? Why don't I get a fucking text? You don't think I'm cute enough? And the kid's like, uh. so brings a gun to school and he's going to shoot Ryan Felipe. 
He's not going to shoot the cool gay kid. Fuck the cool gay kid. He doesn't care about that. He's in love with him because he can't recognize he's a teenager. He can't recognize what a douche that kid is. Mm-hmm. He's going to kill Ryan Felipe. He brings the gun to school. He's going to take it out in class and kill Ryan. He's lost it. He has nothing. His father wants him to kill himself. You know, he took that really seriously in the way teenagers take hard shit seriously. And he has a panic attack. His chest seizes up. He goes in the bathroom. He throws up. He has the gun. It's loaded. He's like shaking and crying in the bathroom. Ryan Felipe's in the bathroom. He has the gun crying. And Ryan Felipe doesn't see that he has the gun, but is like, hey, are you okay? Do you need me to get the nurse? Kid's like, fuck you. It's like crying. Ryan Felipe's like, hey, I like, oh God, I didn't know you took it so seriously, dude. I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean my mom would be so pissed off at me if she saw me like being a dick to you. And I'm just, I'm sorry, man. Who you should be mad at is Bremer, the cool kid. Bremer, like he's a fucking cocksucker. And like, I don't know, dude. I'm just, I don't think I thought about it. And he's like, with a gun, he came here to murder this guy. And he's like, I don't think I thought about it. So like, just, I hope it's cool. Like, I don't want you to like cry or some shit like that. He's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's holding a gun on the other side of a bathroom door like that. And he's like, okay, well dude, like, let me know if you need anything at lunch or whatever. And like, I'll tell people to lay off you. Cause it's us. You know, it's not cool. It's not cool, dude. I didn't know that you were taking it so serious. He's like, okay. Ryan Felipe leaves the bathroom. And he's like, the fuck do I do now? <laughs> and then gunfire from downstairs. The school is being taken by international terrorists. They're going to kidnap every kid in the school right. at the same time in order to, in order to, and at first, by the way, it's diehard. At first it's, we are international terrorists. Right. And it's actually, we're kidnappers. We're former Navy SEAL mercenaries who are going to bilk all of the money right. we are so owed by this robbers, country. Right. They're just common fucking kidnappers. Except what they don't know is somewhere in this school. Super gay kid with a gun. Is a gay pissed off kid who is very ready to take them on. And I think he only fires the gun once in the whole movie. Because I don't want a school shooter killing people in a movie. Like, right, right, right. I, and he only fires it once in the air, but he uses it so many times like this right, to right, get right, people's right. guns away from them. And it's just, and that you could never sell that movie. You could never make that movie. But that would be like the coolest gay protagonist for a movie of all time. This like 15-year-old kid just taking on Navy SEAL after Navy SEAL. And you and it's not an action movie. You direct it like a thriller. Mm-hmm. Like the stakes, it's like a Coen Brothers movie. You know, the stakes of the guns are loud. It's not a gunfighty movie. If those guns go off, people blood splatters. I don't know. It was just an idea I had uh like a, f- a couple months ago. And I never really thought out like what the rest of the movie is. Although I know that at some point. You know, the Republican dad is there going and they're like, we're going to raid the school. And he calls his dad. He's like, dad, I've taken out three of these guys. You know, don't let them raid the school. They're going to set off bombs. He's like, my son's in there. My son's an American hero. You know, like that. So the dad is the Carl Winslow character. A hundred percent. What's the actor's name? It's a, it's a no, Carl, it doesn't matter. It's great. Okay. It's, it's <laughs> Carl. It's Carl Winslow. It's that character, except. It's your father who hates you, but right. who has been waiting his whole life for, for a reason this moment. for a reason to be proud of you. And like at the end of it, you know, 
the audience is sobbing when they're reunited. Right. And he's like, Dad, I didn't shoot anyone. And his dad's like, never shoot a gun again. Like, yeah, he's completely flopped. I'm, I'm crying because I see it too clearly in my head. <laughs> That's an ongoing, an ongoing problem with me and bitches. And this is a real problem. And maybe it helps me and maybe it hurts me. Is that I seem crazy because I see movies so clearly in my head that I have emotional reactions to them. So, like, when I was first pitching Victor Frankenstein, there was a moment where I was sobbing and, like, needed a napkin. And the executive who was I was pitching it to was like this, was like... And in his head, I could see him being like, is he maybe going to kill me? <laughs> is this the last day I live on it? Uh, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. That's, that's a, that was the idea. But now I've like I feel like I feel like I've talked for like nine. I I'm so self conscious about talking too much on these things because I read YouTube comments and all they ever say is I talk too much on these things. That was oh. the point of having you. Yeah, you are a national treasure. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you I love you. You. This is an awesome. I episode. love to be on the show every week. You're now a member. Let's just make that happen. Okay, okay. sure. We can yeah. make that happen. I'm a I love that there's something called the Landis first now. And it, oh yeah, it's amazing. That yeah, amazing. that was yeah. exciting for me too. That's awesome. That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Game Over Greggy Show. Each and every week four. Sometimes five best friends gather on this table. Each bring a random topic. Of, you'll get better at it. As okay. you're on <laughs> random topic of discussion for your amusement. If you like that, head over to patreon.com slash kind of funny where you can toss us a few bucks to get early episodes and exclusive access. Of course, if you have no bucks to toss, you can head over to youtube.com slash kind of funny where you get the entire show topic by topic day by day until one big MP3 and video goes live. Max Landis, there's almost too much stuff to pimp for you. American alien out. What? Yeah, I'm, I Actually, she was out in two weeks or one week. Uh, me, him, her comes out this Friday. Stop saying that. It's out now. Go get it now. Oh, go you get, go get it. it it's on now. on demand on PlayStation and Amazon and all the places you can get stuff. Um, I like that you led with PlayStation. You know our audience. Uh, and, and it's on Xbox. Too. No. And you might like it. It's, it gets really good. It starts slow, and then it gets really good. American uh, Ultra's out. It's awesome as well. American Ultra's available, but let's let's not talk about my old stuff. Sorry, uh, fuck that game. No, uh, fuck that movie. In October. Oh, my God. We fucked up. What? I wanted to talk in the Superman thing that Jesse Eisenberg is basing his Batman v Superman character on you. That's just a rumor. It's real. Me knowing Jesse and that being his next movie after working with him heavily on American Ultra... And the character having the same hairstyle as me and talking like me and moving like me is a coincidence that is not based. It's all a coincidence. They put on, that. You watch the, the credit. The credits will say. Yeah. It's not it's purely like coincidental. Park. Purely coincidental. No. Uh, but no. Uh, then uh, next up is then my movie, Mr. Right, is I, I don't know what the release plan is for it, but it comes out in April. Have you seen the trailer for that? Mm -mm. Uh, looks good. The trailer needs better music, but but the movie's fun. You're the movie's funny. And fucking Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell are really funny. And, and Sam Rockwell, did we just sell you on the picture? Because yeah, those definitely. are two. Sam yeah, Rockwell does he does dance fighting oh, in the wow, movie. Wow. That man uh, can dance. Yeah, that's why I wrote like the movie legit. for him seven years ago, and he was in it five years later. So it was a lot of good dancing. Uh, uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, Channel Zero is out in October. Dirk Gently is out shortly thereafter. Hopefully next on the docket somewhere along, but you can't promise anything or bright and deeper before then all the secret stuff I'm working on is probably going to start getting announced. Um, but yeah, just thank you. Thank you so much for having Dude, me. Dude, please. It's Thanks a pleasure. Everybody follow him on Twitter, buy his comics, did watch his movies. I just look so crazy when I did this? A little bit, but there you go. That is cool. Until next time, it's been our pleasure to serve you. Chip, 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 chip. Uh, if you look at me and I'm going...
I'll do this every so often. If, yeah, if he's doing in. this, it means get closer to the mic. Okay. If it's if it's horizontal, that means he needs you to stick around for another two okay. three hours later. Yeah, okay. Good, yeah. Is that fine? That's funny. I like because it's me. I like this is a dick joke. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Well, he's also looking like, <laughs> hi, what's up? I'm Nick. Nice right, to meet okay. you, Kevin. These mics always remind me of, do you, guys, do you remember Thrifty's ice cream or CVS ice cream? With yeah, like of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what these remind me of. That's that, that, very that, much Like yeah. weird scoops. So I always want to just kind of give the black tip of it a little lick. The black you know I mean? tip of it a little lick. Oh, you guys made that one sexual. That no, we did it. You, yeah. you doing the Nick eyes and looking reason, at me afterwards For some reason, if you said give the tip of it a little, le- little lick, it would have been less sexual than it's give the, the black. inclusion over black. Yeah. I don't know why. Is that racist? I don't know. I don't know. I'm it, the last person you should ask about that. Because I will say the word black. Nick, think that I'm being racist. What? Oh, yeah, you don't have to. No, this is all at the end of the show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say that word and then freak out that I've been racist by it. I mean, not, no inclusion. AP of, style guy says, guide says black. So that's what I'm going with. Because yeah. okay. you can't be sure if a, a black person is African. From Africa. I know, but I don't know. I'm, I'm freaked out. You know, well, it's a, it's a catch all term. It's, it's kind of like when you call someone Asian, right? Mm-hmm. Or white mm-hmm. even. Because, yes. you know, there's a lot of different flavors within white that we pretend there aren't. They all taste the same. <laughs> <laughs> when it's dark, you're blindfolded.